Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hi, it's Killian here. Weeknights from 10 with new music, some flashbacks, and a bit of chit chat as well. That's the late shift with me, Killian, on Cork's Red FM. And it was expected yesterday, and the Red Tops talk about it. The winds of up to 100 kilometers an hour and a lot of heavy downpours. So, to people that were out and about having to drive in it or got caught walking it or maybe even swimming in it, yesterday was a tougher day. But there is a headline in the mirror this morning saying, Wish you were here, as in EU were here. Um, actually, I was following this story over the weekend of the saying that the European Union has a chance of leapfrogging ahead of the UK with regards to sunshine holidays at some stage uh, this summer. But holiday hopes took a surge because the EU now is beginning talks on easing the rules around non-essential travel. And we'd all have to do that as part of the union. It wouldn't really work if some were and others weren't, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's uh, it's an, another issue with regards to what will happen as we head across the summer. And of course, um, there's an issue then. Say if you've got a pub and you don't have any outside area or if you have a restaurant and you don't have any outside area but you are keen to do outside dining and outside pints how are you getting in around that because the star this morning and other papers besides are saying that thousands of pubs and restaurants across Ireland won't have an opportunity to sell food or booze outdoors unless they get a bylaw amnesty from the county council the other thing I can say about that is the evidence that I've seen with certainly with regards to Cork City Council is they are very sympathetic towards businesses who want to be able to adapt outdoors. And we, I think we should be very proud of that. We are light years ahead of the rest of the country in adapting certainly our city centre streets for pedestrians and outside dining. So I hope that that isn't something that's going to be applicable in Cork and that businesses who want to work with the outdoors get every opportunity and help to do so from either the city or the county councils. There is a hairdresser above in me that makes the star this morning. Uh, her name is Sarah Lyons. She's got a super duper hair salon and she says she has 1,000 clients now on a waiting list uh, for May 10th. Imagine if there are other hair salons out there. Love to hear from them. A 1,000? I mean, there's only so many hours in the day. One thing that is happening and you may hear the radio advertising, I see lots of newspaper advertising on it today which is the 50 to 59 year old age group you will you will if you're age 50 to 59 you will be offered a covid 19 uh, vaccine um, as we go across this week and next week so it starts with the 59s today and runs all the way through to the 50s on the 13th of may okay and then after you get the offer you will get the vaccination two weeks after you register so i don't mean to overcomplicate things but that's good isn't it uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't know what the weight will be for the second vaccine, but that'll depend on which one you get, I suppose. But 50 to 59s, like from today, 59-year-olds can register and you'll get a shot two weeks after the register date and tomorrow 58s and 57s and so on. Um, Nick Flynn, the GP, makes the front of the echo today. He says that the virus hasn't changed. While people should look forward to the easing of restrictions in the coming months, uh, COVID testing and vaccination will remain part of our lives for t- sometimes yet. Sometime yet. Actually, there is a very good chance that you will go from one annual vaccination for this to another annual vaccination and so on. Not unlike the flu jabs um, and the vaccines, apparently, um, as, as time goes on, they get better and better with dealing with different strains. So, all positive there. It's very optimistic. Not so much for taxi drivers. A story in the Echo today saying uh, that their work has fallen by 80%. Others within the taxi business have had to adapt their business. Like, for instance, uh, you don't um, uh, hear taxi drivers 
um, saying that it's been fantastic over the 12, last 12 because it hasn't been. They're 80% down. Um, and a guy who travelled 235 uh, kilometres, a Dubliner, he went all the way to Derry to get a haircut. That might have been all right if he hadn't tried to break into a hotel when he was up there, found himself before the courts on, on Monday morning. And that's the story that makes the, the tabloids today. And the story that was making the news last week is the minimum pricing of alcohol. And that means um, that alcohol prices will go up uh, and they will be seeking government approval today to change it. What it will mean really is that um, bottles of spirits and that will go up by seven euro. You know, your vodka and your, 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 uh, say for instance, your whiskies and your rum. It, it also means the bottles of wine will go up as well. Uh, they'll have to have a minimum price of seven euro seventy five for a bottle of Chardonnay. They break it down in the papers today the examiner as to how much it will mean in your pocket. It certainly will mean an increase. Um, and then we talk a lot about um, you know rental uh, properties and people who have HAP. Um, the Echo this morning says that there's just four properties available in Cork City Centre today. Not just the city, but all of the suburbs. So within the city and suburbs there are four properties available uh, that will take HAP clients. Um, um, I don't know how they make that out, actually, unless it's just four of them say HAP accepted. I suppose that's as good an indication as any. Papers also this morning talk about um, um, Bill and Melinda Gates. You see that in the news at 9 o'clock. They can no longer grow together. That's a bit like uh, the term that Gwyneth Paltrow used years ago, uh, that they are consciously uncoupling. Um, But um, they don't actually dwell on the story in the papers as to what will happen with regards to their um, their finances and things like that. Do you know why? It, it actually is nobody's business. Um, but they certainly, um, you know, uh, figure that, uh, you know, independently they can continue to grow, but not as a couple. Um, and if you uh, like to quench your thirst and you think that diet drinks are the way to go, there is absolutely no difference in the white earthly world, according to the mail, between drinking diet soft drinks are sugary pops. Um, they're just as bad for you. Um, they're full of all sorts of different sugar varieties. They just call them different names, apparently. And by all accounts, Careless Whisper has been crowned, crowned the number one song of all time. Uh, I personally don't think so. But according to Smooth Radio, they have just announced their all-time top 500 and Careless Whispers right up there as number one. It's a good song. Don't get me wrong. We might even give it a spin before quitting today. I just love Graham Norton. I really do. I just love everything about him. I think he's a lovely individual and a fantastic talent. And who does he rely on more than anybody else to let him know how things are going on his TV or his radio show? You guessed it, his mammy. He can tell by the tone of voice and the conversations he had with her on the phone as to whether it was a good show or not. She will say things like, well, Graham, what did you think of it? And he kind of knows then that the show didn't go well. It's a lovely story that makes the star this morning. And then don't even talk to me about Line of Duty. I actually think at this stage that we should stop everything else we had planned for today and dedicate the whole morning uh, to the final episode of Line of Duty. Do you agree or disagree? Let's talk about nothing else. Assuming that is that you've seen it. Uh, and I know I'll be accused of spoilers and put out spoiler alerts before I talk about this. Um, but all of the papers today talk about it. What did they talk about? Well, two things. The fact that there's going to be another series and also the awful, the appalling end. Mother of God Almighty, as Ted would say. Jesus, Mary and Holy St. Joseph and don't forget the wee donkey. 
Where did they get that kind of a finish from? Anyway, your thoughts are certainly welcome. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show. And one of the papers this morning uh, has 10 questions that must be answered in the next series of Line of Duty. Um, and they include things as to, is Thurwell really dead? Uh, why didn't DC Chloe Bishop get invited down to the pub? Could DC Carmichael be H? Um, will Steve kick his painkiller addictions? Um, I'd love to know, what's the story with the hundred grand that Ted Hastings got? That he broke into two different bunches of 50 grand and 50 grand. I mean, that's the weakest storyline ever came across in my life. But... It started already. Emma says, can you settle an argument between my husband and myself? Like everyone else, we were glued to line of duty. And like everyone else, we hated the end of it. So we have two issues. One, why did Ted Hastings half the £100,000? If he was going to give it back, surely he was going to give it all back. Or was he bent too? Secondly, would you say there are many bent Garda? My husband says no way, but I don't know. I once worked with a girl who was stopped by a guard after drinking a couple of glasses of wine. He asked if she'd been drinking and she answered that her mother had just died and she had a drink to cope with the heartbreak. She then started crying. He was very nice to her and told her to go straight home and said that if she was out driving again, she'd be breathalyzed. Now, Neil, this girl was stunning. He chatted to her for a while and found out some information about her. Anyway, after a bit, he contacted her. I don't remember if he phoned her or bumped into her. She liked him too, and so, uh, when he asked her out, she was mortified because her mother was actually alive and well, even though she told him earlier that she had just died. She did go out with him, But uh, I left work, so I don't know the outcome. But you might be listening. It would be great to find out what happened. So my point is, are there many guards bent like this? Well, the story you've just told me about the guard, that's not bent. I mean, that's a different league to say what Ted Hastings and the lads were looking for, isn't it? But anyway, I don't know about the issue regarding, you know, go straight home and park up the car and cop yourself on. Is that an example of a bent copper? I don't know. Um, did, why did Ted Hastings have the 100 grand? I, I just don't understand that. I mean, we waited all that long. I don't want to reveal who H is because actually, if you've been watching Line of Duty, we still don't know who H is. Right? The finger was pointed at one particular individual, but Ted still believes that there are still bigger fish to fry. And he lost his job. Sorry, a text on that. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. Much obliged. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Watching the final episode of Line of Duty last night was like waiting for Santa Claus and a reindeer turns up instead. It was so disappointing. Worse than the Game of Thrones ending, says Joe in the North. I forgot about the Game of Thrones ending. Anyway, we'll come back to those. Keep the text coming. Text 0868104106. I want to head west. And before I do, uh, I just want to read out um, a, a Facebook ad that was posted by Colin O'Sullivan. He's got Sam's Gala Shop in Dunmanway. And they're hiring down Dunmanway. Way. Uh, but what they do not want are, and this is what he said, Daddy's asking for a job for their son because he's a big strapping lad. He's a good footballer, feeds the neighbours goldfish when they're on holidays, cuts the lawn every Saturday. He does not want. Mammy's asking for a job for their daughter and telling us she's great round the house. 
emptied the dishwasher at Christmas time, <laughs> cleans her bedroom every Saturday and loves meeting new people, yet is sitting in the car outside the door. <laughs> people coming in, handing in their CVs over the counter and running out the door like Paddy Cullen running back into the goal in the 1978 final to catch Mikey Sheehy's free. People who cannot work on Sundays because it's their next door neighbor's third cousin's first communion. People asking for a job instead of asking for work as the country is full of people with jobs who don't do a tap of work. What we do want are teenagers who want to make the transition from pocket money to earning their own to come into the shop unaccompanied by their parents, ask to speak with Noreen or Cullum and simply tell us why they want to work for the summer. Top tip, my mother doesn't want me hanging around the house for the summer or my dad told me to call down are not the correct answers. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. And the more I read it, the more brilliant I think it is. Colin, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Neil. How are you this morning? <laughs> oh, man, you're one talented writer, in fairness. <laughs> you're a talented reader. It's only better what you read. Because it's fantastic. Why, why were you driven to do it? I think it, it, it's, uh, while it's tongue-in-cheek, I think it was born out of frustration. I've encountered, I've experienced everything that's on that. Okay, the goldfish is a bit, just a bit of poetic license, but everything else I, I've encountered. And I just wanted to see kids coming in themselves, standing up for themselves, and looking for the work themselves. That was all I was looking for. <laughs> I mean, is it really true that a mammy or a daddy would come in and the son or the daughter would still be out inside in the car? That actually did happen to me. <laughs> She's great. She loves meeting new people, and she's actually she's great with people. And um, <laughs> uh, well, that's her outside there in the car. I thought, here, Mrs. No, please. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. What was the response to it? I mean, did you get many job applications off the back of it? We did. We did. I went through there this morning. Would you believe we got seventy-two? We had a phenomenal response, and we, I've, I've changed. I've changed tack halfway through. We were initially hoping for about four people. Right. right, because of the response and because of the fantastic candidates that we met, um, what we've decided to do now is give maybe ten or twelve positions, with possibly eight or ten hours each week. And how and come you're hi- how come you're hiring so much? Like, are you anticipating a bumper summer? No, no, no. You see, during the summer, what you have is you have your long term staff. We have twenty three staff, right? And you have your all the the, the permanent staff that are there. They take holidays throughout the summer, right? And so we've other people in then and they relieve them and yeah we anticipate being busier and we will be still always doing some form of renovation within the store where yeah. we require more help than that yeah. that's that's really where it is yeah I mean you talk about people who want the job but don't want to work is that an Irish phenomenon do you think that's I know that's just something my dad said to me years and years <laughs> ago but like anybody that's been in I, I, I just ask them straight out I says, have you ever done a day's work in your life? I'll give you one example, Neil. I'll give you a funny example. You were like, some of the kids are fantastic. There was, a, there was a young lad came in to me on Friday, Friday after school. And uh, he, he just stood in front of me and said, uh, I'm, I'm here about your ad. He said, I'm, I'm looking for work. You know, he, he emphasized the work. And I said, look, have you ever done a day's work in your life? And he said, he said to me, oh, I have. Yeah, he said, we have a farm at home. He said, I help my dad. And I said, sure, are you not coming into your busy season now? Would you not be? Expected to stay at home. He says, ah, I know. He said, look. He says, so whenever my father pays me, he says, I, I break out in a rash. I said, what do you mean you break out in a rash? He said, I'm allergic to peanuts. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, when, you, when you have an 18-year-old guy that can speak like that... You want him, don't you? I want you. Absolutely right. I want him. And another guy just... Another guy that's going to cycle from Grimmel League. I want him as well. Like, that's, that's phenomenal. I thought the days of a guy cycling 10 miles to do a day's walk were long over. Ah, uh, yeah, but what happens if you start... If you get a text from the fellow coming from Grimmel League, I got a puncture. And then the puncture. The bike is flat... I know you would just like at least look at least he was making the effort oh I know what you mean I know what you mean like to myself you know he he seems to be full of enthusiasm he said look I'd be cycling in during the summer to meet my friends anyway people who Um, who want the job but kind of are choosy about the days they want to work the shifts they want to work they'll work but not on the weekends stuff like that no you're absolutely right that's an ongoing issue there's a lot of people prioritise their social life (laughs) over work you know, like I'm, I'm sure any any family events that you organised are organised around your work schedule. You know, and that's what I'm trying to do is show the importance and a bit of responsibility. Yes, there are football and, and hurling commitments and sports commitments, which I respect, and I will always work with somebody around that. But my friend is 16, and we're we're, we're going to Bantry for the day. That just doesn't wash with me, to be honest. <laughs> I was in Dunmanway on, what day is today? Tuesday. I was in Dunmanway on Sunday, heading through all the way down to Aries and Allahees and areas like that. Oh my God, man, the weather and the The beauty, the beauty of Dunware, you guys. It's just amazing. It's so gorgeous. It's a fantastic part of the world. It's just, it's the best place to be, you know. And you know what I only found out at the weekend? Forgive me. I did not know that Sam Maguire was from Dunmanway. And I know you guys have redone the entire... Haven't you put in a new... Did you know? Pla- no, I didn't. And haven't you put yeah, in a yeah. new plaza in Dunmanway? Didn't I see that at the... On, on, yeah? <clears throat> That's correct. Yeah, it's fantastic. And, like, it's there, the statue, and they have an awning out in the seating area and all that. Hence the name, Sam's Gala. That's... It derives from the whole Sam Maguire thing. Is I, that right? Funny. Yeah, you know, that's, that's where we've got the name from, yeah. And, like, I mean, he... He, he had a sad old life in the end, didn't he? He did in the end, yeah. He ended bad. <laughs> he did, yeah. He's a very good friend of Michael Collins, though. Yeah. Oh, no, he was very much part of, um, you know, yeah. the whole revolution at the time. But um, he, like, uh, did he did he die in punery? Was he poor when he died? Did I read somewhere? Uh, I think he, he started out with nothing. He ended up with most of it as well, I think. All right, yeah. Sad old story. And there's a, isn't there a Sam Maguire tour down in Dunmanway? There is, yeah. There's, there's, a, Sam, there's a passport trail which is a fantastic thing. You get a passport and you follow the whole trail and you go through the house and uh, all, all the places that are associated with them. That's, that's, that's actually a base and it's a fantastic feature. And the amount of people that travel from all over, you don't, they may not even necessarily be JA fans, but it's, it's just it's a lovely trail that they go through. It's a beautiful. It's a, thing, yeah. It looks so beautiful, do So we can kind of claim both, can't we? Because Sam McGuire was from Don Manway and Liam McCarthy's dad was from Cork. So we've got both, really, haven't we, technically? Oh, we have, yeah. yeah. We, we, we just need to keep them at home more often. Every year, that's all I think. <laughs> oh, my God, I love it. All right. Well, listen, have a great, great summer. Um, have you actually hired the 12 now at this stage? You're going through the uh, the interview process at the moment? Yeah. <clears throat> no, we, we'll, do, we'll do it towards the end of this week. No, Neil, and we're going to ring them up to get them in. And 
And they'll start and work away. Nice one. Listen, good to catch up with you. Thanks for taking the call. Good morning, you. All the best. Cheers. Colm O'Sullivan from Sam's Gala. And the reason behind Sam's Gala, as in Sam McGuire, the man from Don Manway. Lines open at 1850 104 106. And we were posing the question with regards to uh, summer jobs. Um, And boy, did we get some great texts on this. I worked in a bakery. And everyone who worked there was a lot older than me. They had Dolly Parton on replay all day long. It was a part-time job. I actually think I lasted about three days. Plus side is I still, 20 years later, know all the words to every Dolly Parton song ever. Part-time jobs, summer jobs. When I was in secondary school on my summer holidays, I started work in a hotel a good few miles from home. I started as a waitress, but all I did was scrub the tiles in the kitchen, both floors and walls, with a toothbrush. Oh, my God, that probably would be illegal now. (laughs) A toothbrush. That's like punishment. That's like community service. My accommodation was in the stables over the horses. The owners had stables for a riding school. Am I reading a text from the 1800s? I got a job from selling whipped ice creams from an ice cream van at the summer show. It was horrendous. Crowds of people shouting their orders at you. Pouring the ice creams was grand. But I couldn't do the mental maths fast enough. And after a short while, I'd just hand back a fist of coins each time and move on to the next order. I, I often wondered how it worked out afterwards. Did I make any money for them or not? Well, the question to be asked there, Mary, is how long did you keep the actual job? Anyway, to the phone line. So, text on that. Summer jobs. Uh, the best or worst of them. Text 0868104106. Uh, David standing by. First up, Damien, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Um, first job or summer job or part-time job? Summer job, yeah. Fail in 95. Back um, when it was in Parky Creeve. They were looking for... <laughs> people to clean the campsite you know so people would just book in for the weekend and they'd pitch up their tent and we were living in Mahan I think I just turned 15 actually yeah um, just turned 14 where was the campsite? Um, it was where Mahan Point is now oh, okay. uh, so that whole that whole, that whole by the sea, from the CSO office all the way back um, it was uh, so people that's where their tents were so and, and did you expect that to be a glamorous job hopefully not uh, no, no, we just did it. We just wanted money. And the fact that it was on our doorstep, it was very handy. Like, so we approached them. Uh, well, I don't know, I can't remember who approached them, but one of the lads, you know, we were, there was about 10 of us. And we were hired to clean up the campsite, so we'd start at five in the morning. And, like, if you could have picked, you know, just after the Fela concert, like, obviously there's still a party at five in the morning. We were, you just had to clean up all the rubbish. And you were too early. All the empty cans. You were too early. <laughs> It was no, it was, it was uh, yeah. We we get up at five, but it was, which we were only very young. So you're look, you're witnessing like you're witnessing parties going on. You're trying to clean up around it, and you know, uh, you would find, you know, if you find cans, you would keep them. I think we had about twenty thousand cans between the ten of us. Ah, yeah, but you must have found uh, money. In fairness, like oh, we did. We got paid. I, you know, I know. No, we, I know you got, got paid, in- but you must have come across dropped money. Oh, clothes. Money, <laughs> tents, everything. We literally, we were just literally created our own buy and sell in Mahan from 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 the Fela campsite. Um, but the um, yeah, and we got into. They actually brought us into Fela then, which was brilliant. Um, so we got to witness the concert and everything. Let's have a look at the lineup that year, shall we? Prodigy, Moby, Kylie Minogue, Blur, the Beautiful Brother, South, Blur. M yeah. People. 
Stone Roses, Paul Weller. I have the right year, don't I? Yeah, that's it. That's wow. it. Man, that was some lineup, wasn't it? Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I do remember. Massive Attack. Uh, yeah, they, Underworld. I mean, they were big, Chemical big, Brothers. Big acts, uh, Chemical Brothers. Yeah, they're they're huge. It was brilliant. No, we didn't obviously get to go into where the main thing was. We were kind of kept in the stand, I think, but you know, because we were only young. But like that was, we were paid. We got to keep what we found, and we got into the concert. Like it was just, you know, for, for young dr- people. For, that was the dream job then. Unbelievable! It was brilliant, but you know, it was. I'd look at it now, and I'd look at the fourteen-year-olds nowadays going fifteen-year-olds because they wouldn't be able to do that. Why wouldn't they be able you to know? do that? Why not? Well, I suppose they can't be around drunk people like that anyway. Well, I suppose legally they can't. But then I just, I just don't think most of them have the drive or the, you know, the the wants to go and work. I mean, you're you yourself are a businessman. You've had a few different businesses yeah. to continue to do yeah. so. Do, do you really believe yeah. that the work ethic is not as good as it used to be with young people? Well, no, not with all young people, but with, with a lot of young people, yeah. I think there's a, definitely a lack of motivation there. Um, Is it a case that yeah. the job must must uh, work around their social life as opposed to the other way around, or what? Yeah, and look, we all encourage them to go and play sports and stuff, but, you know, even I know a few young fellas and they've just no interest whatsoever. You know, they're just kind of, uh, if it's, it'll be, I'll be grand. I'll be grand. You know, I was riding an echo job when I was 13, 14 as well, like inside in town selling echoes for five pence an echo. You'd come out with five pounds a day, you know. And, and, and Where was your pitch? Uh, outside the GPO. And what's your echo shout like? What was that? What was your oh, echo yeah, shout I, like? Oh, no. I had an umbrella. I didn't have to shout. And so people knew I was there. Were so you I, only selling posh copies of the echo then, is it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's it. But, um, Did you insist no, at the examiner office that you'd sell the echoes, but you wouldn't do echo, evening echo? No, my voice hadn't broke, you see, I was quite, quite afraid to kind of, at that time, you know, be, echo! You know, it would have been something like that. And uh, But no, I had an umbrella, so I didn't have to. But I just, even my friend the other day, he's a teen, he's a son, I, 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 Colin is his name, and he was running up a gazebo and he's back. And he's 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 an eighteen year old son, and his eighteen year old son just watched him doing it. And at one stage, it was blowing. <laughs> and he'd said afterwards, he says, "Why didn't you help me? Sure, I don't know how to flip his. I'm not qualified in gazebo <laughs> making." He says, you know, like, <laughs> But what about the say? What about the pub? Would when people when you're looking for staff, would mammies and daddies come in with CVs? Uh, they would, and you know, they, yeah, they would. He would have them coming in, you know, looking for a job for. For, for the son or daughter or something like that and I suppose even with Ballyship you, you kind of had people coming in to just trying to get their son and I, I fully agree with Sam's in that way I think it's a brilliant I think it's a brilliant dad um, but we, we, you'd always look at some a young person who came in with their own CV and said you know I'm here to you know, are, you, are you hiring at the yes. moment and you'd know straight away this person wants well your foot's in the door at least you know that's a start but w- yeah. w- would many just do many now um just drop off a CD, CV and leg it. Not ask to see anybody. Yeah. But yeah. what's... I mean, that you'll never get a call back from that, will you? Not really. Well, you, you wouldn't. Like, just look, firstly, it's very hard for them to get a job. And so they, they should probably try to make sure to try and speak to someone. But a lot of companies will just fob off and say, oh, okay. you know, they're yeah. not here at the moment. If you ask, they probably will fob you off anyway. Yeah, yeah. But like, it is nice to see kids coming in looking for work. Um, but I just think that 
Sure, look, you're older than me, I presume, back, back in your day. It was, they were even younger working, but I'm only going back to the 90s, and it was like 14, 15. Oh, you can be I damn sure. I can, I, I can go to the mid-70s, for God's sake. Give me a break. Oh, yeah. I'll go again, I'd say. <laughs> um. <laughs> All right, you, okay, you want to get personal. Let's get personal. No. How, are you, how are you doing off the fags? Oh, um... I'll be honest, no, not great, but you, you've ruined my life because <laughs> I, I, there was, I remember like the second day, there, there was a postman, he was delivering something, how are you getting on off the fags? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, not too bad. And I, I would just drop my daughter to school. I literally had to nearly wear a fake nose and stash to disguise myself because people were watching me. And I was like, they're all, they all know, they all know. And someone, someone, someone even said it. I could have swore I saw you smoking in your car. And I was like, no, 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 that wasn't me. So, <laughs> cut down, still not off them, but we, 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 yeah, maybe getting there. I, 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 you know, I know, I just think when the lockdown is over. Ah, yeah, yeah. You're right. just a procrastinator. Go on away, don't be annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Stay in touch. Bye. Cheers. Take care. Bye. Lots of texts. So the best job was working in hot shakes in town. Oh, my God. I had so much fun. Worst job was working in a deli. I left after two weeks and I got my ma'am to hand in my notice because I was too scared of the manager. I guess that's why you left. Strawberry picking. Worked a 48, 40 hour week. Got paid 14 pounds, says Elaine. But maybe that was at a time when 14 pounds was a lot of moolah. Brian says, picking spuds, weeding beet fields in my early teens. Uh, we didn't uh, have a great choice back then, but we didn't make a lot, but we appreciated every bit of it. Great times to see. Um, well, you may not made a lot, but did the guy who owned the spud field or the beet field make a lot? Five of us went strawberry picking. We were lucky if we made a fiver between us uh, after being up there all day. I think you got to eat copious amounts of strawberries. Maybe that was the upside to it. Picking potatoes at 10 uh, until the age of 15. My late brother was great to me. He'd help with my drills as well as his own. We used to be so tired and hungry. Uh, so we washed and slept until we were picked up at 7 o'clock to do it all over again, uh, says Bernice. Uh, that's kind of interesting, actually, because um, you know, I wonder when are we talking about? Is that the 50s, the 60s, the 70s? Uh, my summer job at 15 was picking strawberries. My dad stopped bringing me there as it was costing him more petrol than I earned. <laughs> I got paid on what I picked, uh, so I was just too busy talking. One paycheck was for 80p. So you were paid by the load, I suppose, your poor misfortune. But at least you were a great chatter. And that, I'm sure, stood to you. William, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And this all started with uh, column down in Don Manway um, as to how you should or should not apply for a part-time job. So is this the best or worst summer job for you? Well, it was the best one because I was there for over nearly the last 13 years. What was it? You started part-time. Doing what? Pumper. Wow. At, ho- at what age? It was about 12, I did. You started at I the know. age of 12? Yeah, and you would know him probably, McFadden's. The, we would go to the, like, the Glamire, Mallow, Cork Summer Show, in the Shannon Steam Rally, oh. all up in West Cork, Timberley, Castletown Bear, the Manway, Clannacilty. And did you start part-time, was it? I started, I, 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 well, I was a little boy and the fun fair was in Glamire at the time across from the shopping centre and I got friendly with the owner's sons and I just started going on with them every year when they come back to Cork and they ended up fostering me um, at the age of 16. 
did it and I was in the, under the care of the HSC at the time but I, I dropped to the front every day and they we I would help them build up pull down operate the machinery I ended up becoming a manager for them So did you start just by volunteering and giving a hand out was it? No, I used to get paid for, I used to be minding the likes of a Miami or around stalls and hook a duck. And I used to get paid. So if I went into hook a duck or go on a wall, sir, I'd give you the money kind of thing. That's how you started. That's correct. That's correct. And then you have the likes of the big fund fairs. I've done a bit of work for Funderland um, under under different employers, obviously. Um, But it was the best job I've ever had because... Number one, you learn everything there. As I said in the comments, like you got anything from mechanical to electrical to construction, and you're also dealing with the public. And it started part time, did it for you, William? Yeah? Started part time and ended up becoming a manager. And what do you manage now? I'm, well, I still I, I organize events for the company, I do. So I, I got the likes of um, the Oktoberfest in Cork and Dublin Chinese New Year Festival. And Good I would for get you. the percentage and I would that as well. Good for you. And, and it all started when you were a young boy when the yeah. fun fair came to Glamour. Yeah. And they're now closed for the last year and a half. I know. Due to COVID nineteen. I, I know. And the likes of the amusement parks, Tremor amusement park and Bundor and Salt Hill were all out to be open for eight weeks last year. But again now they're they're being excluded from this rollout of this new map that there's no way of anyone reopening. Like, for instance, would you have ever... I know, I'm just wondering what will happen in... Is it the end of August, early September, Puck Fair? Well, that would be Thunderland. Your show would do that. Gotcha. They would. Um, They're a big organisation altogether. They're one of the biggest in Ireland. So when do you think the fun fairs will be back? I don't think they will be this year. (laughs) By the looks of us. Because they've been... Fund from the government. I know. Space, as they don't like customers don't come to their yard. Well, are are you saying that funfair and workers like you didn't get any pop? No, we we got the pop. We did, but, but you got no again, business assistance. Go. Yeah, yeah, and like I was actually getting into. No, you're breaking up on me, pal. It's an awful shame. Because uh, uh, hello. Yeah, I, ju- I had one. It's not a great line, but just before you go, I just wanted to know: Have you done a lot of traveling and met an awful lot of people all over the country? Then yes, I've traveled all, even up in the north, um, Neil. So we would travel anywhere from Donegal down to down to Castle down there. So, like, you travel all of Ireland, which was great, and you know, you get to see a lot of the country, and you get to meet lots of people. And- and it was great fun. And that is the main thing. It was great fun. And you learn a lot of lots of new things. And what have you done for the last 14 or 15 months? Well, I was working in air, believe it or not. And I finished with air last week. And I'm starting with a new crowd in Little Island this morning at 10 o'clock. Good man. Um, Good luck with for that. For PFH. And working as part of the HSC engineering for the IT. <laughs> so it's great. that I, mean, I got all this experience from the fun fair. Yes, indeed. I wouldn't have got where I, where I got today only for the fun fair. And you wouldn't have got where you are today if the fun fair hadn't gone to Glanmire and you hadn't popped yeah. over and looked for a part-time job. A great story. That's correct. That Thanks, correct. William.
take care not a great line but lovely chatting with you do appreciate it uh, daddy's asking for a job for their son because he's a strapping lad uh, mammy's asking for a job for their daughters because she's great around the house it just won't do it uh, son or daughter staying out in the car while mammy or daddy go in looking for the job not a good idea all according to Cullum Down at um, uh, Sam's Gala in Don Manway back to the phone as we go David good morning morning Neil how are you best job best part time job or worst one which is it uh, yeah, I, th- I think the worst one might be might be a bit more interesting. Um, definitely. Now, this is going back, yeah, I suppose I started 20 years ago when I was 15, 16. Um, I was working part-time with, with PJ Hegarty. How did we you get the job, this. though? Did you go in yourself? Yeah, my father. My father was a, was a, was a builder with PJ Hegarty. So, oh, you um, were yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, and I used to go working with him uh, on site for, yeah, I worked there for six summers. Uh, between the ages of 16, yeah, and I finished in 21, 22, I suppose, but it was handy, handy money for for college. But what we used to do is go around to the, the houses in Cork uh, with uh, subsidence problems, and we used to underpin the houses. Now, we used to do an awful lot of work in uh, Silver Key there. You probably know it there in Ballinock, and lovely houses just needed a bit of, bit of work, and we'd you know, we'd lovely homeowners and they'd, we'd access to ho- the, the house and use the kettle and stuff like that. But uh, for a period of kind of three or four weeks every year, <laughs> we'd be we'd be basically sent to Magazine Road and, you know, College Road, basically the, not not UCC accommodation, I don't want to... Uh, the rental properties, any, yeah, the homes, the yeah, houses. The rent, yeah, the rental properties, but rented out to UCC students, essentially. Yeah. And by, oh, geez, Neil, I'd say by... By far, it was the the worst four weeks, to four to six weeks of the year Why? every year. Why? <laughs> do, do you remember when the the residents were giving out there uh, about the parties last year? Yeah. UCC students. Uh, yeah. My first initial thought was, I hope those students get absolutely ripped to shreds financially because they probably deserve it. <laughs> because the condition of those houses, Neil, my God, you wouldn't you wouldn't put a dog in them, and that's the truth. Because um, when we'd access to these houses, and before you know, we'd obviously go around and, and look at where the cracks were and what had to be repaired. And like the first thing that struck us was the smell—just the smell on everything, the oven, the microwave. Like you could have stuff, you could find stuff in the microwave that, like mold and bolognese sauce that wasn't cleaned up. The oven was stinking. Um, you know, you'd open up the kettle, this, you know, mould on the water. The water could have been there for, for months. Now, I, I don't know. If, no, again, I don't want to tarnish all UCC students with the same brush here. I was one, I was one myself. Um, but, like, this was just squalor stuff. You you wouldn't believe it. And then the, the reason, no, that wasn't just why it was. Uh, that was, that okay, was, so that's the kitchen area. So what about the living room or the bedrooms? Ah, oh, sure. Doors off the hinges, uh, ripped couches, wallpaper hanging. You know, this is st- like if you if you told us this was something out of a Victorian period or something, you'd say, "Oh, geez, fair enough." You know, it was just banana stuff like cans but- of Heineken and you know, in the corners and not even putting bins and um, and, and that was just what you saw there. And then and then when we actually got to the got to the walk and took up the pipes and the old the old the old kind of clay pipes we'll say um, what's your fault you'd wonder did they even have a bin what they flushed down the toilet I leave it to your imagination Neil because you found every every bit and every bit of disgusting bit you can think of as well 
Uh, oh, Flushing it down the loo is better than bagging it in a black bin bag or something. Well, I mean, you know, putting it in a black bag and tying it up and putting it in a bin is a bit of effort. So <laughs> I can't imagine flushing it down the toilet was the answer. Anything from sanitary products to contraception to balls of tape or and then of course you have the normal stuff that, that loos are meant to be used for uh, <laughs> that and was an awful job oh, and then you're, you're you're cracking the old the, the old pipe with, and then you're t- like people say um, you know that the, the that they couldn't adjust to wearing face masks. I, I got used to wearing face masks 20 years ago. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, you, you had to wear it, Neil. It was just a You had to wear it in the uh, student houses on the College Road, Magazine Road, 20 years you, ago. You had to wear it. The, the stink that was that bad, especially when the, uh, when, when the pipes were exposed and, oh, it was rotten. We had a few lads, older lads that were... Now, remember, I was 16, 17, so it was a good life lesson for me. And, uh, but older lads like that were you know, nearly getting sick in the corner. And, and would any of the students it. be in the houses when you were in there? Would they be kind of mortified? Yeah, very rarely now. Because um, this, we'd normally, they'd obviously finish their exam at the end of May, so this was kind of mid-June time. Um, one or two maybe just coming back for their stuff and, you know, things like that. Um, yeah, my father on site wouldn't, he wouldn't have too much time for them. <laughs> yeah. And was this, yeah. was, were, the, were, the, were the culprits as much boys as girls? Or the other uh, way around, girls as boys, I should say. Well, I mean, the, the only evidence I could judge in that, because we didn't really meet the students, was based on what you found in the pipe. And oh, there was just as much, there was just as much things I would say belonging to women than what was belonging to boys. But I could, I couldn't say that for definite. And uh, the best, and okay, so that that was the worst of it, and the best. Yeah. Summer job, oh, the best, part-time job. Yeah, the, yeah, I loved it. This was about eight, nine years ago when I was living in Liverpool and I was delivering bouncy castles. No, that was a, that was an interesting job. You know, it's an interesting job at the best of times, but in Liverpool it certainly was. Why? It was actually, when you deliver it, you hook it up, you blow it up, and you leave. Like what else is well, there to it? It's <laughs> and yeah, I mean, Liverpool is uh, yeah such a mix of the city as well. You could be uh, we've gone to a couple of celebrities' house. We've had we've had to go to birthday parties. Um, one of the lads was Daniel Agar, former former centre back for Liverpool. A few Liverpool fans will know him, but wow. ended up in his house. Got a 20 pound tip um, which, which is brilliant at the time she was only 25, 26 um, so, yeah we go to a couple of very very dodgy areas in Liverpool and I want the lads used to do I was living with two other obviously English lads and what they used to do is now we actually well the lads were running the company but they bought a they bought a Ford Transit van from a from another company that were just selling it off we just wanted to get from place to place essentially so we had to scratch off the side of their company logo on the van so we were driving around and something you'd see in Only Fools and Horses and uh, with a rake of bouncy castles in the back and um, we went to one of these dodgy estates anyway, and uh, so the lads were saying you, go on Dave you, you go in you go in first and I was what are you sending me in for first I goes go on you've, you've the Irish charm he used to say and, uh, so I used to great, go in and great and You'd, you'd give the Irish charm, I know you'd say, yeah, you're, you order Bouncy Castle and we're here now. And, you know, the, and the first thing they'd ask you was, um, are you, are you, like, they'd look at the van and say, geez, these guys aren't, these guys are looking dodgy. And they'd ask you, you know, were, were you an Irish gypsy? That's why I'd, I'd play along, like, saying, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and for some reason, you just got the respect and you said, all right, okay, here's your money, you know, blow up the Bouncy Castle, whatever. But uh, we did have one incident where, 
you know, as you say, Neil, it was it was that easy. You just bring it in and you you blow it up and that's it. You leave, you collect it later on. But we were going in and I went myself and, and Ross, the, the other lad I was working with, and uh, anyway, we attached it, started blowing up. We were chatting away anyway in our own world, and then anyway, uh, Ross glanced at the bouncy castle. I was, we were at a ten-year-old boy's birthday party and looking up and I look and glancing at it blowing it and Ross kind of turns to me and goes oh Jesus I said what's wrong with you and he, so I looked at it and I said oh Christ all I saw was this giant head of Peppa Pig getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger remember this is a 10 year old boy's birthday here <laughs> and the father suddenly noticed as well he came flying over he goes what do you think this is and I said oh. I said Ross Jesus where's the, where's the football one they, they obviously ordered a football or a Liverpool one and he says so that's gone to another one like this that's the last bounty castle deliver the last yeah. bounty castle oh Jesus and uh, anyway your man gave us a gave us a bollock in, <laughs> in, the, fine, in the finest skull the sun doesn't want to be bouncing around in Peppa Pig I assume <laughs> definitely not and we said ah oh, look look, you you can have it for free <laughs> for the day to go your grand. and he goes no oh, he gave us an almighty bollock in, so we had to take it down because obviously his friends were there and his his friends were taking a make out of the young fella I'd say the poor lad did he get no idea. bouncy castle that day no the father he asked us to not take it down whatever and he says well you can refund us and the whole lot so we, we did but <laughs> the poor lad he's now he's probably in university now and he, he's probably still getting bullied for his pepper uh, <laughs> years of age but, love it, love like, it, needless love to say we, we never got business again from him but uh, it was a great job it was like the it, it was stories like that that again like your last call today working on the uh, the fun fair, you know, it's it's you know the connections you build up and the networks and the you know there, there's plenty of life skills you learn. Um, I saw, I'm actually funny, you know, neither job. <laughs> I, I didn't stay in either job. I've been on a few times on the show talking about education, yes. So I'm I'm teaching now. So um, yeah, they're good, funny, funny stories. Good man. Good man. Appreciate appreciate you sharing. Thanks so much. Want to get some more on the air though, if I can. David Larkin, thank you. That's a that's a howl. That's a riot. Actually, there is um, you know talk about. I know I go back to line of duty, but there is an actress in it with a who plays the part of a Liverpudlian um, from Liverpool, obviously, and she uh, is married in the show to one of the characters who got killed off in the last season. But she's Irish. She's an incredible actress. She's an incredible actress anyway, Amy De Bruyne. But what makes it even more extraordinary is she plays the part of a Liverpudlian and her accent is just right on the money. She's so talented. Absolutely right on the money. Dublin are through and through, apparently. It's a pity we can't claim her, but you win some, you lose some. Back after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Best and worst summer jobs. Uh, text 0868104106. Following on from the ad on Facebook for Sam's Gala in Dunmanway. A few texts on this. My summer job was delivering milk. I was in bed every day at 8 p.m. while the sun was still out. I was up at 2 in the morning and home for 12. I go straight to bed until 3 o'clock. I'd collect money then until 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock on a Thursday or a Friday. Bed again at 8pm and back up at 2am and I do this six days a week I loved it made great money work was hard and the hours were long says Redzer uh, Anthony says mine was working in O'Donovan's Butchers on Princess Street I started on my 15th birthday full time in the summer and all Saturdays when I was in school I loved it 
but it was hard work. Yes, indeed. Many of us will remember O'Donovan's butcher shop on Prince Street. It was a sad day when it closed. As much for the meat in there as for the cheese. They had a separate cheese counter and it was so popular for decades and decades and decades and decades there would be queues out the door. Mark said, my first job was working in a butcher's. I spent my time cleaning the freezer at 19 and, ha- at 19 and having pig's heads by hand with the cleaver and putting the brains to one side for God knows what. <laughs> Part-time job as a pig head halfer. Tony says, the worst job is polishing all the brass in the local pub during the summer of 93. I was a barman for six months. I used to stink of brasso even after taking a shower, says Tony. Well, there was there was an old song actually along the lines of shine up your buttons with brasso. Shine up your buttons with vim. Shine up your buttons with brasso. It's only three halfpence a tin. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show uh, The one and only Paddy O'Brien was on to me over the weekend said would you please wish a wonderful Corkman a happy 81st birthday for today Tuesday the former Lord Mayor and Senator the one and only great Dino Cregan celebrates his birthday today uh, so happy birthday Dino from Paddy O'Brien and all who know you uh, and love you have a great day today talking about all things Cork recently I was in conversation and telling you all about the cotton ball and the history behind it, right? Wonderful, wonderful pub and uh, and gastropub uh, up Mayfield Way. They have some sister businesses. One of them is Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery on McCurtain Street. And they sent me some vouchers, which I didn't get to last week, and my apologies for that. So I have three 50 euro vouchers to give away for Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery on McCurtain Street. And it's located in the old Thompson's Bakery building. Uh, and they've got some beautiful, beautiful dishes on the menu. Chili sauce, up chicken wings, great homemade nachos and Crusty pizza burgers. That's interesting. A crusty pizza burger? Bring that on. Juicy rotisserie chicken, stuff like that. And apparently, um, with a nod towards Thompson's Bakery, they do an amazing raspberry Swiss roll and the good old-fashioned bread and butter pudding that you don't see on menus anymore. And uh, when you would, you'd gobble it up, right? Raspberry Swiss roll and bread and butter pudding. So that's just before midday today. We'll open the phone lines on that and uh, do nothing for now. But talking about jobs, whether it's part-time jobs or full-time jobs or summer jobs, lots of texts on this. Keep it coming. Text 0868104106. And I'll read out some more in a few minutes' time. But just want to get back to our phone lines. Keith is standing by. So is Joe. First up, Timmy. Timmy Marshall, morning. How are you getting there, Okay, you have your own paving and gardening business. Is that right? That's right, that's right. And we're up to walls at the moment. And I'd say you will be because people have money to spend, don't they? Oh, that's all they want to do. I was pumping into their back gardens at the moment. between doing paving and decking and outdoor bears and everything and anything at the moment. But we're, we're up to walls at you're the moment. You're flat out, so you're looking to hire, is it? Well, well not really. I've heard more about the, the younger generation, really. Like, even though I'm only 40 myself, <laughs> it's impossible to get a good young fellas nowadays. It actually is genuinely impossible. They just don't want to work, you see. It's... Uh, as I call them, they're the lads, they're like the Snapchat generation. You know, all they want to do is be on their phone and come into work and they're like, fellas dressed for a fashion show and they're afraid to get dirty. Like, when I was on my apprenticeship 25 years ago, I was just a poor different boy game altogether, like, you know. But um, no, they just don't want to do anything. They just want to be on their phone, sit down, make a couple of rollies and go to the shop because obviously every day they're probably getting 20 euros off their mammies to go to the shop. Like, well, as 
before you were given a few sandwiches and you were lucky to get them, like, you know? And why, why is it all changed? Why is it like you describe it? Why? I don't know, they just don't want to work. They, like, it's very, very hard to get good apprentices. Like, before, say, when I was an apprentice, when I started when I was 18, that was 22, 23 years ago. Like, it was, like, you know what you have to do, you have to go into work and you have to graft. They don't want to graft, no, like, the youngsters don't want to graft, they just want to sit down on their phone, or just they, they bring the stress levels through the roof, like, you know? You go around the corner there, you're building a house, then you go around the corner, there's the fella taking a selfie of himself, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you not say anything to them, like, besides oh, you you're fired? Would, like, you just get, you can get to the station, nah, this fella has to go. Like, I was, I one fella there with me before, and, um, you know, as they call it, Snapchat generation, this fella, I was bent over taking, I was laying a block, and this fella took a picture of me, because you could see the old builder's crack, like, <laughs> so he put up on his, his Snapchat story, watch the crack, the capture master crack underneath my, but, you know, you forgot, like, I was on his story as well, so I was able to see it as much as anyone else, like, you know? Oh, and can even, you even can you say like, anything to them like copy yourself on you, or whichever you can't give out to them you can't give out put to your them, phone away no oh well you could but like it, it, a young fella will either he, they, they won't go to work they'll actually prefer to stay at home with their phone rather than go to work without their phone and like, it, it, but it gets to the stage and dead serious right I'm often after getting text messages or phone calls off mothers saying that Johnny won't be in a rat today, like it's too cold for him. Do you know, you actually, like, I remember when I was an apprentice, I was walking up Mount Doval, and like, I was, I was from Holly Hill, and I used to have to, if, if my dad couldn't drop me there, or if, if the boss was running late, I'd have to make my way to Mount Doval for half a third, regardless, hail, rain or snow, every morning, and finish at five o'clock, and not know what way I was getting home. Usually the bus, or a spin-off, one of the lads, and I got my own transport. And do you know something, th- that's the reason why you have your own business now. I'm telling you, know, like, like when, was, when, when we were learning our trade, you no know, one, the same with any other fellas who, like, it's, it's actually the, the age of this trade is getting older and older because they just can't get the masons or they can't get the apprentices anymore. Like, when we were apprentices, you get pinholes on your fingers. Every one of your fingers would be pumped and bleeding. And as my dad used to say to me, you have to piss on them, that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to, for, get the acid into your... You are joking, is that right? I'm serious, that's what you were told to do. And no, young fellas, these days, all they want is gloves, 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 gloves. Well, it's, it's 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 not the same. Like you know, they they just don't want to work. They don't want to work. Like all they want to do is go into work, be known as a mason. They'd be looking at their hands. I think their arms are getting big and they're like twigs because they don't want to. They don't want to work. And all they want to do is go to the shop at ten o'clock because they're probably getting twenty hours after them to get their kind of monster and their breakfast roll and their pa- and, and their pouch of tobacco. Don't forget that. <laughs> so oh, when you come across good. a young fella that's good, he's the exception, is he? I tell you know I haven't come across one in a while and that's being honest and I'd like a mason to come on and say the same because any other masons I know they're, they're in the same boat they're, they're, they're impossible to get like they're impossible to get because they don't want to work they actually don't want to work like it's, a mason is a hard trade like and I remember my dad when I was there he said do you want to go lay in blocks and he said I, I will but like you know for four years there like you put on an awful lot of grass and it's hard like wind rain like it's grand known the summer summer's brilliant Oh my God! I was I was on a couple of building sites there over the winter. It was down in Yall. They were doing a big project for the county council down there, and it was up high. It was Baltic. I was there for half an hour. Actually, the houses they're building now with no heating on them and no power on them, you're warmer inside than you are outside in them. They're amazing the houses. But I was thinking, the people on the site they do this every single day for like eight, ten hours a day. Yeah, and you see the thing is, I remember when I was on my trade, like the fellow was on my trade, but like he was a hard, he, like 
it was a hard taskmaster, but I learned a brilliant trade off him, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, so like it was, it was like when you see people going away at 12 o'clock there on the day because they're being rained off, he used to keep us there till maybe four o'clock and make it a half an hour in the sunshine, then, and we get in a lash of blocks. So you're kept there all day. But like, also then you could get an awful wetting in the morning, you're sitting around in, in, in a canteen waiting to go back out and get another wetting. But like, it's. They don't want to do it. And do the younger generation aren't into that, you're saying? They they're slaves to, to the and mobile and phone, though, Snapchat, and the hairstyle. And even though mother and father are so like, they're like, they're like, they won't even ring it in themselves if they're, if they're ringing in sick. What, will you get a phone call off the mother or the father? No, he won't be in at all. So he's not feeling the best. I don't know if it's for him at all. You're getting that off 90% <laughs> off people. Whereas with my mum and dad were saying, look, keep your head down, get your trade underneath your belt, and look, it, it'll stand for you. Like, but. No, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the young fellas, but like, it's not a factor to do with their parents as well, like, because they just want an easy job now for Johnny, like, do you know what I mean? This Molly Codlin and Molly Codlin. Oh, You're not selling masonry as a, a mason as a trade, though. It's hard. You're not selling it to it me. It's like. hard, but you know, something's rewarding too, like, you know, it's like every day is like, you're going, it's like going out for a you know, session in the gym, like, you're lifting, you're lifting a couple of hundred blocks every day. At the moment, no, like, I'm after diversifying into doing back gardens now and gardening and paving and, Everything and anything, and it's more rewarding, I think, because what it is like is you're seeing a finished product, you're seeing looking at a garden, and you're know, getting know. your your your. your and are you big? Are you big on? Are you big on social media? Are you big on Instagram, sharing the photographs of the jobs and everything? Um, yeah, well, cock paving and gardening is on Facebook. There's about five or six thousand followers on it. Oh, and tell me, moment. Timmy, how how do you separate yourself from the cowboys? Because that's a big problem. How do people know who to hire? But you can just see the quality in the work. Like I'm after what, like. I but they have no. But the cowboys have fake photographs now as well. They they, they're taking they photographs of other people's work. They're posting them on social media, saying this is what we do, and they don't. What I usually do there at uh, well, a couple of times a week, I do a live video, you know, and they can hear my voice and whatever else. Like I did a job, and I just recently finished the job there. Well, we finished our first job of the year there because of the restrictions there in Ballincollig, and like what we did was. We were kind of walking people through the job every day, like, you know. And, like, the amount of texts and phone calls, you're like, well, book don't know it's there for the next seven, maybe eight weeks, and that's doing maybe two jobs a day. Mega. That's right, we were on four different jobs, like, you know, just trying to get things ready. Mega. Things Do finished. you have to go in and fix boss jobs? Oh, 100%. Like, uh, there was a girl on to me there, and all I wanted is the area last Thursday, the whole paved area was after sinking. And so we went, I just gave her a price it. No, obviously, there's a way in this to get it done. But, like... It's uh, it's ridiculous, like it is actually. And was it clear to you that whoever did the work was not qualified? Um, I'd say like there could have been a qualified mason, but the problem is you have to know what's under the ground as well, and you have to know how to pre- prepare ground. Being honest, like I'm doing this now, probably the paving and the slabbing for probably about five years. No, at the start, it's all a learning game. But no, I would I would say that I'm fairly yeah. good at it now at the moment, like yeah. you know so. Yeah. No, it's um, at the moment, like, it's all people want to know spend money in their back gardens at the moment, and, like, it's absolutely ridiculous how busy it's going to be in the, for, for the whole summer, really. Good for you, kid. Good for you. Keep it up. Listen, nice chatting with you. Cork Paving and sure, Gardening, man. lads. Find them on social media. Take care, Timmy. Cheers, pal. Cheers, Neil. All the best. Yeah. Take care. To right. line five, right. just ahead of the ad break. Kian, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. Can you hear me? Morning, Neil. The Grandad's Butcher Shop. Is that right? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah. Okay, so if it was at Christmas time, it would have been all turkeys, wouldn't it? Turkeys, ham, and spiced beef. Was it the best job or the worst job? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. It made Christmas for me. Like if I if I finished school, we'd say a half day, and on the Christmas holidays, I was straight down, straight into the white coat and stacking turkeys or whatever. Maybe where where was that? In Crosshaven. How old were you? Um, from 
from primary school age right up to 18 really until I got a until I got a real job I did it every year but what did you love about it I mean stacking it was, spice beef uh, and turkeys I suppose and like working with my grandfather and uh, his partner uh, Michael Quinn from Crosshaven as well and in the earlier years when it was very busy you'd have you know the, the three of us my two uncles um, probably a grand uncle or two in there and um, it used to be packed and the the atmosphere around the Christmas atmosphere was phenomenal and you'd have queues of people out the shop all the local people and sure you'd be talking to everyone and and I'd give a hand out with deliveries and stuff like that as well. There'd, there'd be people coming from the north side down to get a spice beef and everything. You are joking. I'm going to take a flyer on this. Would that be kidneys, no? Kidneys, butchers, yeah. My father, my grandfather was um, Tom Mara, or is Tom Mara. You're going to cross Haven on the right-hand side. You pass the Admiral Drake. There's a butcher's Correct. there. Is that what you're talking about? Before you pass the Drake. So it'll be gotcha, that's just almost exactly opposite the, the fishing pier. There. I know it. Is it gone now or is it still there? It's gone, about, I think, about 10 years this year now. And they come from Cork yeah. City for a spiced beef. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Wow. And especially as well, because my, my grandfather's father would have been based in uh, Fort Camden with the army. So that's how he came to be in Crosshaven. So, but a lot of his family would have stayed in the north side. So a lot of them and their friends and their neighbours would have And come you said the Christmas lost a lot of its magic when the doors closed. Is that right? It did, because it was, it was such a big tradition for me and... You know, it was it was part of the magic of Christmas. It was part it was part of the Christmas tradition, and then when it stopped, it was you know the, it, it definitely lost a lot of its appeal. And the village lost something very special. Absolutely, absolutely. The and that whole road, there, there was you know there was a butcher shop, there was a grocer's, there was a yeah. green grocer there. You know, they all closed, and it was it was a shame. It happens, doesn't it? You know, you get multinationals oh, come along exactly and, same, yeah. you know, you had the, like, obviously Duns and Tesco came along and maybe people were able to trade alongside them. But then when you got the likes of Super Value just exploding and then in came Aldi uh-huh. and along came Lidl, um, it was a ticking yeah, time bomb then so for small- as well. So, but, yeah, absolutely. Caraglane became so big, you know, you have three supermarkets there alone. Like, so um, a lot I of know. people would, you know, they'd pick up their meat on their, their weekly shop and everything. Yes, my, yeah. my mother and my aunt will tell you stories of Christmases that they went without turkey because my grandfather would give would end up giving away the the one he had put aside for himself to, to someone who had forgotten to order. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone down well at home. No, no, no. I I never saw it happen myself, but uh, apparently it did happen quite regularly. Well, you know, you get you know you get lovely, lovely texts from different people who worked in different jobs, including O'Donovan's butchers on Princess Street, where there were all sure. white coats and behind the counter, and there would have been. If, as a child, like, I think I can remember maybe 20 or 30 staff behind the counters when my mother would go in and we'd wait outside the door. She'd get a bit of cheese and they'd slice the rashers fresh and things like that, you know? Yeah, I'd well believe it. You don't get the same quality. It's very hard to come across that kind of quality you know, anymore. Well, the English market would give people a run for yeah. their money. Big time. Big yeah, time. Yeah, you know? yeah. Anyway. Because yeah, even, like, I, I drive a lot for a living and you drive through villages and you see the old butcher shops that are, you know, that used to be there and they are closed you still see that they were butcher shops you know and they're just they're just not around anymore really it's, it's heartbreaking not anyway. yeah it's heartbreaking and it's the soul yeah. life and soul of the village you know absolutely absolutely my, uh, my partner actually Neil she did um, a book about Crosshaven um, mostly photographs but a few little stories as well 
Um, so the butcher's got to mention there now, and there's a couple of other. If I can get one into, I'll, oh, I'll send well, one. listen, you know, you're you're preaching to the converted. Get me a copy of the book if you can, and we'll Absolutely. chat a bit more about it. Appreciate it if Absolutely, you could. Absolutely, no problem at all. All the best, my friend. Thank you, Kian. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. In fact, the back end of last week, I went into the English market. You know the way you do because you're not. It's almost magnetically attracted to it. But there are few enough places in the city that are open. But the English market has been open all through. You go in and I got some beautiful, beautiful uh, free range eggs from, um, po- as I call it, poultry, poultry in motion. Uh, the chicken in, and then over to O'Connell's, I got some fantastic. Beautiful, fresh trout and gorgeous hake. I mean, unreal. I mean, like you just wouldn't get it uh, from anywhere else except from a fishmonger's. It was absolutely wonderful. And then a bit of a stroll around the city. Uh, in fact, I uh, was cycling through it again at the weekend and I know people were giving out that there were huge, huge crowds, massive crowds in the Keys and in and around town at the weekend. All of them drinking the click and collect pints. But I have to tell you, the council workers were out early in the morning, right across the weekend, and they were pushing their little uh, rubbish trucks ahead of them and they had the brushes out and the place was very, very clean. And even down around the key area, I see that uh, Goldbergs have all of these bins out in the central aisle areas and, they're, you know, obviously someone is doing the clean up in spite of the amount of people that are out at night. Anyway, back to the phone as we go to line one. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, just a fast one ahead of the ad break. You worked tinning beet. What's that? Tinning beet. <laughs> so back in the 70s and the 80s, Neil, the sugar beet industry was at its peak for farming, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, obviously, that time the machinery they had the beet when it was, was when it was set or set, it used to come out fairly heavy. So on the drill, when it would grow, eventually it would have to be tinned out. So hence tinning beet. So um, that was pretty hard. Was that by hand? You had a hoe. Uh, you had a hole, a timber hole in your hand, right? But you could go into maybe a three or a four or five acre field with a lot of drills, and the drills could nearly be, ah, uh, they could be nearly a quarter of a mile long, some of them, you know what I mean? Oh, my of God. Hot, I mean, there must have been... Of a, a hot summer's day in the middle of June, and you're you? about 12 years of age, and the pay you got in was roughly about 50 pence a drill. Was that a lot back then? I'm just curious. <laughs> Yeah, 50 pence wasn't bad, I suppose. But it was the work deal. The work was tough. Like, I mean, you had to go through this fairly good because you had to leave the... You see, you had to take out a lot of the beat, but you had to leave about... You had to leave them maybe about two or three inches apart on the drill. And if you didn't do this right, like, you were going to get it from the farmer. And would people do that? Is that still being done or has it been automated? But sure, Neil, the sugar beet industry has gone from... Gone, yeah, yeah, gone. We're, we're, we're importing sugar beet now from, from, from all over the world and and we got rid of it. Like you're talking about the sugar beet factory that was in Mallow, that was up in, uh, up, up in, up in Galway. I mean, it was a huge industry back then. Um, but we were young, we were only about 12, but that was one of the worst jobs. I just wonder, are there those kind of jobs around heading into the summer now? What kind of work, or even do teenagers even want part-time summer jobs anymore? No, well, well, you see, with farming nowadays, Neil, it's all, it's all massive, massively produced. There's no such thing as tinning beet or tinning any kind of a veg, no, unless you're a small little gardener or something, you know. But like that time, we, that was our jobs for the summer, a lot of the summer. It was tough work, but I tell you, you know, and of course there was a lot of blackguarding went on then, of course, with, with a lot of the young people because, you know, you'd get you get tired of this job halfway down the drill and you start sitting down and having a chat and then you'll see the farmer coming off the road and you'll be up again and like, you know, but great memories though, Neil. The second, I earned a rush, but the second job, 
which wasn't too far behind us, was the winter job, and that was picking spuds. <laughs> really, you really picked the tough jobs, didn't you? Well, you, Neil, when we were young back in the 70s and the 80s, your man and your daddy didn't give you, give you pocket money. You either earned it or you had nothing. That was the bottom line. Because they didn't have it to give, in all fairness. Exactly. That's, that's the generation that you had back then, Neil. Whereas and nowadays, look, it's not the young crowd's fault nowadays, right? They're mollycoddled from the minute they go into school. Nah, no, not all of them. You're, like, I hate to generalise, you know? Really, I do. I know, I know, not, not all of them. But a lot of them need, a lot of them, right? Whereas our generation was a generation where you had to get off your ass and do these things. Because if you didn't, your parents mightn't have enough money to live or survive. And you contributed to the household bills. You probably did it yourself, Neil. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so, I had a lot of part-time jobs. I loved every single one of them, actually. They were all different yeah. types of jobs, but I loved but them. Tinning, actually, when I, when I rang your, your researcher and I said, Tinning Vitor, I was thinking about it afterwards. She said, what the hell is this fella talking? He's probably talking about some kind of a rap song, Tinning Beat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were, you were Tinning Beat and Digging Spuds and others were picking strawberries. Just before I let you go, when are the, when are the new Bally Cottons out? Pretty soon, I'd say, are they? Probably, yeah, but there's, 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 there's good spuds all, all over East Cork. You don't have to go to Belly Cotton for them, Neil. If you just go over the road to Belmacoda and Nakadoon, you get good spuds there, too. Yeah, um, I'm not supposed to talk about Nakadoon. I've been asked not to mention Nakadoon. It's way too busy with the tourists. They can't handle the numbers. Stay away from Nakadoon. But I'm talking about the new spuds. They're due now, aren't they? I would know. Well, the early spuds probably be... To start the June, Neil. You know, ah, for God's sake. Another June. month then. Bloody hell. But as you're talking about Nakadoon and the walk, I live there. Yeah, but you're driven distracted with people, apparently. There's way too many people going down there. You can't handle it. Yeah. It's gone crazy, Neil. Absolutely. But look, it's, it's another show to talk about that, no, but it's gone crazy. Do you know crazy. why it's gone crazy? Because it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous all place. We, all, we're, all we're asking, Neil, is people go to Nakadoon. Please don't park on people's drives in front of their gates. If the area is totally packed with cars, would you please leave? Because what's happening is it's a cul-de-sac. Yeah. It's not like Barry Cotton, you go in, and well, Barry Cotton is a bit around more. No, you're, it is. You, you literally drive down, down, down until you can go no yeah. further, and you have then to park so, up and do the cliff so, walk. Yeah, yeah. So as, as, as a person that's actually living in the middle of a deal, I actually live about 200 yards from the walk. If people would just come down, park sensibly, if the place is jammed, especially in the middle of a pandemic now, please just leave and, and go away, right? There'll be plenty of days come in the future where you can come down and actually, you'll actually enjoy it more. But what's driving the locals mad and the residents that are actually living on the road knocked down, knocked down, is that people are literally blocking their driveways. And most importantly, it's a seaside, it's a seaside slip, right? Seaside place launching boats. If the lifeboat or if the Coast Guard True. had to get down in a hurry... True. Forget about it. All right, pal. True, true, true. Thank you, Tom. Look after yourself. Have a great summer. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just ahead of the break, I was down west of the weekend. Uh, it was mentioned earlier. I was down around Allahees and I was down around Aries and areas like that. Uh, visited the copper mines. Weather was lovely, actually. The Barrow Walk, of course, is just ginormous. It goes on and on and on forever. You can do an hour or two, or you can do links of it. I think one nice one that I like to do is from Aries to Allahees. Just that Barrow Walk, and it's about fifteen kilometers. So that I mean nice to start at some stage in the summer when the guest houses are open in Aries and head over to Allahees because I called in uh, to the local shop in um, in Allahees. I met the crew there, got some tea and 
uh, sandwiches and stuff like that and it was great they were great to chat with but they also have the Sea View Guest House and I want to give a shout out to everybody down in Allahies this morning particularly uh, the Sea View uh, Guest House down the Barra Peninsula um, I'm not booked in but I've taken the pamphlet and the little flyer away and I will be booking in there at a time in the summer when the guest houses are open again and we can make a return visit down west because it's glorious down there. Glorious. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Got to wonder as well, what are the wages for apprentices with the trades? I'm seeing some text coming in on that. Well, you have to start somewhere, you know, and you're picking up a trade for the rest of your life, I suppose. That's the upside to it and the law will stand to you. Anyway, Eileen, good morning. Morning, Neil. All right. You worked as a penny girl in the modern. Would you please, ex- modern. please explain that? Well, as, I, as a penny girl in the modern, I used to go to work after school and people would come in and buy their coats. Although we used to say and the modern, wasn't it? The modern, I suppose. The modern to. on Patrick Street, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. The modern. It was very coats, posh. Yeah. And the coats were a guinea, maybe 10 guineas, whatever, that kind of thing. And I'd get to pack their coat with a way of folding the coat, lay it out straight, bring the sleeves into the centre of it, and then do that lovely turn. Put it into the bag, take it across to the GPO, and post it to the address of the person that bought it. And then the GPO would stamp it and put the price on the book, bring the book back, and leave it there. Then Saturday, you'd, and all those would be paid for. But the best thing of but all... But hold on a second before you move on. Were they fur coats? Fur coats or oh, mink cheeses are oh, the best of them. Mink. The be- and the weight of them, and I was only... 14 at the time and the way to the courts carrying them over to the GPO. Go away. And they'd post but, them then to people. Clearly the people that were posting them to had a few bob like. Oh definitely. Definitely yeah. I mean everything was like it was, as you know the margin was all guineas. Guineas. Ten guineas. Five guineas. Whatever. Five shillings I was getting there anyway for working. And Why was the, I mean the, is that a correct term? Penny girl? Penny girl well that's what I kind of thought that I was, you know, because they say with the, the, the older generation would say is the penny girl in today. It's I didn't take any notice okay, of Okay, it's just you know. a term I never heard. You know, you were young. Was it a part-time job? That's all. I used going after school. I'd be finished school at four and I'd been signing the modern on till six. And then all day Saturday I used to work. And the best of all then, the girls would send me into the green door for oh, their cakes on yes. a Saturday morning. And they say, get one for yourself. Oh, Jesus, that was a big treat to me. I have a beautiful beautiful black and white photograph that was actually sent to me by my sister Eileen. I thank her for it. It, uh, It's it's Academy Street. So you have, it's a black and white. Imagine from probably maybe the early 60s, it has the side of the examiner, Cork examiner office, and next to it, the steps up to the green door. Uh, And I'm just counting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different women, all with beautiful coats on them, eight different women walking up into the green door. Are they going in there to buy cakes or are they going in for a cup of tea? I I suppose a cup of tea and a cake. But the cakes, I mean, they were beautiful. Jesus was my treat. I used to love Saturday morning. And they're the steps up over the side entrance to the chateau. Exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was beautiful to do that, you know, it was gorgeous. But that that was my part-time job. Go home then to my mother, she'd take four shillings and i get back a shilling off her. <laughs> Wasn't very fair, you got 20% of your wages. 
I did, and then that was spent in Woolworths then on all the Friday, Saturday night, Saturday night, then I'd have a party at home because I'd be after buying bits and pieces. How old or whatever. were you? How old were you? Oh, 14. And did you pay attention when you were in there to the conversations and the people coming in and out of the of the modern at the time? Would you listen? I didn't, but I knew the Dowlings that owned it. I knew they used to refer to her as Ma'am Pa Dowling. Yeah. You know, and then there was Grandpa Dowling. He was a very old man. He was a lovely man, you know, but this is as much as I knew of the Dowlings. But the customers coming in would have been fairly affluent, wouldn't they? Oh, they would. They would, you know, they would like, they knew what they wanted. I'm, um, you know, oh, we get the penny girl now to take that to the post office. (laughs) (laughs) You were the gopher, yeah. You were the runner. All right. I was the runner, but I loved it. I loved it. And this was what? The uh, the 60s? This 69, I'd say. Or 60, maybe 60. Yeah, 68, 69. You could leg straight across Patrick Street. That time, you know, it was fabulous down to GDPO, the waist of the coach would be <laughs> when I'd be a small one underneath carrying and I could have two. But twas twas that was my part time job. Lovely. Do it, like. lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you so much, Aline. Thanks for picking up the phone. Appreciate that photograph. Actually, is lovely because also the one that the one that was sent by my sister. Because outside the um, outside the Cork Examiner office, you have a car, one of the big old. I don't know. It's like I don't know what kind of a car it is. Might be an old Ford or an old Morris. But right next to it, you have a horse and trap parked behind the car, and then next to that, you have uh, an old character on his push bike, and you have people walking. So you have all sorts of modes of transport from car to horse and cart. Uh, to a fella on uh, his push bike. Clearly, like, this guy on the push bike would be in his 50s or 60s with a big long coat and a hat on him. So all the different modes of transport. Um, you got the travel agents there at the time, which was probably and still is Barters. I'll be right there. The side door of uh, the chateau and a second side door. And I have no idea where this one took you. you had the side door is the chateau. Oh, yeah, that would have been the chat as well, the other side door with a beautiful, beautiful, ornate orn awning. I might post that on my Instagram page later on. It's a beautiful photograph. It captures all sorts of different aspects of Cork life back in the day. And that's probably in and around the back end of the 60s, I would think. Anyway, enough of me. Joe, good morning. Good morning, Neil, and greetings to your uh, listeners. Thank you so much. So the green door was the spot that people headed for, for cakes, and you worked in the cake trade when you were a boy. Yes, I worked in uh, Deneen's Cake Shop in uh, Shanton Street. It was a very small cake shop. It was sort of squashed between the two branches of Donnelly's. Now, it sounds to me like a perfect part-time job for a 14-year-old. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> you know, uh, I was just a, a dog's body. Um, my job was to clean the cake trays, uh, to, you know, hump the bags of flour back and forth to the two lads who were baking, and to replenish the cakes in the shop, which was managed by a lovely lady. I think her name is either Veronica or Victoria, but uh, she was wonderful. And did you get to taste them? I mean, you weren't a cake tester, no? No, no, we, we could help ourselves to ring donuts for our tea at 10 o'clock and 3. So we You were limited to three ring donuts? Uh, you, could, you could eat as many as you, uh, you wanted, but uh, they were quite filling. Oh, are you saying to me you had two different breaks, one at 10 and one at 3? 
Yeah, we want. We started at eight. We had a tea at ten, and then we had another break at three o'clock. So at the ten o'clock and the three o'clock, you could eat as many donuts as you wanted. As many donuts, yeah. But you you can't eat a lot of ring donuts, uh, Neil, because they're quite filling up. They sort of uh, swell up in your tummy. But, you could uh, give it a go, yeah. though. I suppose but, over time you yeah. get fed up of eating them, like anything else. Yeah, but if you had them every day, you get a bit sick of them. <laughs> And uh, like you couldn't the, have a you couldn't have a sherry trifle or a Russian log or a chocolate. No, slice. you couldn't have the posh uh, pastries. Although I did get one from uh, Victoria, the uh, shop girl, who I say you know she was wonderful. And being being an incohate, uh, used the fourteen. I suffer from that uh, very common condition that you used to or still suffer from uh, ineluctable infatuation. <laughs> And uh, she had more teaser eyes. Admiration of the opposite sex. Uh, in the world, yes. And she had hair like a herd of goats dashing down the mountainside. And she had teeth, my God, like sheep just up from the dip. She was lovely. She was lovely to the customers as well. You know, she are, had, are you uh, being complimentary uh, there? Yeah, absolutely, okay. yes. Okay, I mean, okay. I just yeah. haven't seen a sheep after sheep dip. Uh, but one one time nobody turned up for work, so you got to... Sell the case. If she didn't turn up for work, then uh, Mr. Deneen would ask me to keep the shop. But I was clueless about the different prices of the cakes. And, you know, I gave away more than I actually charged for because I, I didn't know the knack of working out the change if somebody gave me a pound. Um, I thought you sort of subtract the cost of the cakes um, to, to work out the change. But in fact, you do it the opposite way. You, you use addition. <laughs> But so I, I have no idea. I mean, you well, subtract really, one. Yeah, it's but a trick. If cakes cost twenty p, and somebody gives you a pound, well, you work out then what do you need to add to twenty p to make a pound up. That sounds like a rational way of doing it to me. Eighty. That's and away you go. Yeah. So, did anybody say to you you gave me too much change, or did anybody say to you you gave me too many cakes? <laughs> no, they never. They never <laughs> complained when I gave them too much change, but they did check me when I gave them too little. <laughs> and and there'd be old ladies come in, you know, wearing black shawls, and I'd put an extra cake into a bun into the bag for them because you know. I thought they were just living off cake. Hard times, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my other jobs was to um, hunt down and chase the cockroaches because they were they were a positive nuisance in the bakery and and an absolute shower to deal with. (laughs) Um, But I had a novel idea of catching those when um, you must know that little toy shop at the top of Shandon Street. Driscolls. Mrs. O'Driscoll? That's it, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was passing that one day and I, I uh, saw a little uh, fishing net um, attached to a bamboo cane. And so I would use that to catch the cockroaches and then put them into an empty tin of ghee or fat and then put the cover on and take it uh, across the road to a little lane there where lots of rubbish bins were and allow them to die there <laughs> eating uh, the, the fat. They, they died happy. They died with a belly full of fat. I'm not so sure the people would be terribly impressed about bakeries with cockroaches, but that's for another day, I think. <laughs> All right, okay. appreciate it. Thanks, pal. Mind yourself. Thank you, Joe Dodderman. Um I think like anything, if you had an, too much of anything, you wouldn't be long getting fed up of it, including ring donuts. If it was the, just the same ring donut day after day after day, twice a day. Do you know the way I mean? I mean, it's like anything. Um you know, if you worked, imagine you could say the same, but somebody worked in a chocolate factory, for instance, or uh, somebody who worked in, in the kitchen of a, of a restaurant where you could eat anything. Sooner or later, you'd just be, oh, 
please give me just beans on toast, will you, for God's sake? Lines open. Tom, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? We're trying to find out, and we're doing a good job of it. The best and worst summer jobs. So, what have you got for me? Well, I was listening to your stories there this morning, Neil. They were very good, and it was made me think. I did grass. And he said, oh yeah, me said my buddy was to cut grass years ago in Bad Behem. So did I. Grass run. Yeah, so did and I. Do you know it, what? it was fair, it was great money to bring in for two young players now around Bad Behem. No, we had a posh old lawnmower at the time because we had a bag on the back of it. So I you get an extra, you get an extra pound for say, oh yeah, look, we can pick up your grass as well with the bag. But, uh, oh, you had a petrol lawnmower, is it? A petrol lawnmower, Neil, yeah. And we used to go around and, um, we used to have great finish school on a Friday and we began Friday night, Saturday, and you'd even might get a couple in on Sunday morning. But you know, it was a good old complaint because Whose lawnmower was it? Oh, it was a Briggs and Stratton. It was a good one because my mum and dad had a big garden at the time on Connolly Road and um it's all paved now and all paving, but we, you, I'd nearly be an hour cutting the grass. So was your so mum and dad's lawnmower, yeah, I got gotcha. you. It was my mum and dad's lawnmower, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anything that ever happened to it, I suppose, we had to look after it. But the string would break or the bag would rip and stuff like that. But um, the dilemma that we had, Neil, growing up, is that I used to go to the summer. I used to go to Crosshaven for the summer. We used to spend the whole summer. As soon as school was finished, we yeah. were gone. Down yeah. to Crosshaven for the whole summer. And I and where were you staying down there with the family? Where did you? Well, my mother used to rent uh, bungalows um, of various people down there. She she blocked up them for the summer, or we might be two weeks in one person's bungalow, and then we move on to another bungalow that she had booked out for July and August yeah. and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, there were great summers down there. But we were dreading it then because we lose our gra- our grass run up here. So my buddy used to take it over, and I used to be on class A, and then pick his foot and just go farm and grab all. They were great old summers, great. Like, you never see any young fellas not going around pushing lawnmowers or, you know, like, or even hear of any young fella picking spots. I suppose the machinery, the machinery. Well, a lot of it is that, yeah. A lot of it is just machine done or, you know, like everybody everybody has their own feckin' lawnmower now or they're easier to cut because they're powered and stuff, you know. Exactly. Like, we always have great times on Crosshaven. Like, like, one minute could be sun splitting the stones and then the next minute it's lashing over the heavens and you'll be baiting up the feet to get in under the trailer and in under, sitting in under the wheels and the axles of the trailer sitting in over the rain. But it was great old times and great old pocket money too. Like, we go down to the Mary's then in, in the village in, in, in Crosshaven and we used to spend the money there. used to be begging on money for your mum. I was going to the Mary's, all the lads have gone out and me on it and stash like. So all, all the money that, that you, right? all the money you earned... Picking the spuds you spent at the Marys. Yeah, sure. Then what else could you do? What else are you going to do as a kid? Sure, that's why you have the money. Exactly. Yeah. Sure, I was only four, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, like down class seven, and you would just go out to the Marys and into the slots, and you'll get a candy apple, and you'll get your candy flask. It was a treat to go down on the Sunday. See, my dad worked in the corporation long ago, so he was gone Monday to Friday. So my dad used to get the bus up on a Sunday night to go to work for Monday and he used to come back down there until the Friday. Gotcha. So we'd go down then and meet him off the bus. Sometimes he'd get a spin off his buddy or something like that, but he'd come off the bus then and then we'd sit around the village for a while and, you know, and then we'd walk up there but we had no car that time. Yeah, but it must have been a wonderful thing up. for a, a young fella like that with loads of other kids down in Crosshaven with the beaches and the Marys and the village and everything to spend the entire summer down there. Ah, uh, so it, it was fantastic. I knew you'd be laughing, then you'll you be skating. You know, my mum and dad's uh, friends, uh, uh, Georgie and Rita Rice, and um, 
he worked um, in Beamish's at the time as far as I know it was an open back truck we used to load up the back of the truck and go down to Cross Haven on the back of that truck my sisters and my mum would be in the front and I would be on the back with my dad <laughs> now see that's unheard of now like jeez like, I'm going back now and I was you went on your holidays actually well, was photographs at home in my mum's house me sitting on the back of the open with, um, my dad had a dog in his hand. We used to go down there for the whole summer. Like, do you know what I mean? It was fantastic. But How long ago was this? Man. How long ago was this? Oh, Jesus, and I nearly 15. I ain't going back 40 years anyway. <laughs> so we're back, like, in, we're back in the 80s then, going on your holidays to Cross Haven on the back of a Beamer truck. There, like, but like, as I got older then and, and started to know the people around the place who'd say we're going picking spots next week so like that's how you get invited my sister used to do it then as well Brenda she used to go picking spots and she'd say my brother can come next week and <laughs> that's how that's how it was done like you know what I mean absolutely absolutely great memory. great old times great old times I have to say no, there were great old times cotton grass and chicken spots you got it and you had a petrol one what was it like I, I used to do uh, grass cutting as well but it was do you remember the very 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 basic Lawnmower. It wasn't. A, it wasn't actually. Even using the word "more" is wrong. It just had the two wheels and the turny blades and oh, and the long <laughs> shaft. And much, you didn't make much money with that one, later. And there was no bag to collect anything. It literally was just the rotating blades, the two wheels, the shaft, and the handle. Well, that was the, that was the, that was a selling point for us when we used to cut the grass. We had a bag. We just either dump it in the bin. Oh, we just put in the ah, yeah, you turned up with a Briggs and Stratton, a petrol moor, and you blew the rest of us out of the water then, totally. Well, look, they were happy days. We were happy. Good old childhood. Cheers, my man. Lines open at one 106 I don't know how many I'll get in this side of 11. Keith, Malcolm, and Dan after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Dan the man's down Ballinghossigway. Morning, Dan. Good morning. You're going to tell Good me morning. all about the best cup of tea or the nicest cup of tea in yeah, the world, no. is it? Yeah, you, you just remind me when the, the lads were talking about with farmers tending beets and uh, I work with a with a market garden with a market gardener up in Castle Treasure in, in Darnybrook and it, it is now actually a soccer pitch up there with 12 acres of ground up there and he I used to work probably Corinthians there. is it? It's probably Corinthians yeah, I'd say exactly that's the place 12 yeah. there's 12 acres of land super up there super pitches and, and super and, club yeah and a lot of the a lot of the local lads we used to walk there even especially now maybe uh, May, June and July before we got to summer holidays we'd walk a few hours in the day and all things like that and I, I remember he had a band in and we used to go into Cork City with the vegetables and there was Kelleher's at the end of Barrack Street there was a vegetable shop there as well okay I, I, right and then there was another Kelleher's across from across from uh, Beamish and Crawford and there was another sh- one or two shops on top of the Southern Road so Max you delivered to them is it? yeah Okay. Matt Sweeney's was one of the shops on the on top of just before St. Finbar's there and uh, there was a shop then in Brownstone Park it was a Buck and Bradley's I think what I called it was a shop we used to deliver all we used to deliver vegetables uh, to all those shops so they come from the market garden around, up around where Corinthians right. is now That's to the right. different and fruit to the different veg shops and corner yeah, shops yeah. around the city yeah, to, to the different shops, and, and it, it, you just, I just reminded me there, there was, there was a chap, and I think he worked with Kellogg's at in the Barsley, and he was there, he was working for Kellogg's, and he had a horse, and he was be all the time whistling, whistling around, around Cox City. 
Now, maybe some of the local people around Barrow might, might actually remember that chap, Ashley. Well, you know, we touched on nicknames and characters on the air in the past, yeah. so maybe that one. Yeah. But where does the cup of tea come into the story? I tell you where the cup of tea comes in then, especially during the summer, you'd, you, you, you'd have some, some bit of a lunch around, around lunchtime and the housekeeper would come out around four o'clock. And you'll be walking out and uh, and, and, and walking out and and uh, you could be doing anything, tinning beets or anything like that, and tinning carrots and onions and things like that, and, and picking stones and things like that. And the housekeeper would, would bring out a big a big can of tea with a couple of mugs and with uh, brown soda bread and uh, butter and jam on the bread. Oh, that must have been like man of heaven. Oh, it was handsome, and it was in, uh, around four o'clock every day. If you were there, the, the housekeeper would would bring out that. And would you get enough of it, like? Oh, geez, of course you would. Christ, was, he was he was first good to people around around uh, Connolly Place now. And Fantastic. And, and was the good money to be made in that? Just a minute, Neil. I can't remember now how much. Look, uh, look. I thought at the time that that he was already decent. Now I I know I don't even remember what what kind of money I was getting off him. I can't remember it's so long ago it was in the, the very 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 early 60s I know I know I mean they talk back in the day and it's of course it's an industry that I think is gone now and that's turf yeah. cutting you know where they'd bring that's the right. tea out to the bog and they'd bring yeah. sandwiches and it would have been the best sandwich or the you know oh, taste, the, but, yeah, taste you the peat of it you were on about pick, I, I, one of my grandsons, a father ago, he spent a Sunday picking stones out in some farmer, some farmer near, near Bandantry for his friends were picking stones for the day. Must be easier so ways they, to they, make, they, it must be easier they, ways to make a few bob though. <laughs> but I think they, they have to pick the, they have to pick, pick the big stones if, if they're sitting, I don't know, I, I'm not too sure why, they, they, they pick the big stones after, after plowing the land, they, 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 when you plow the land, which, could uh, root up the stones and yeah. pick the big stones just had to be done by hand could, yeah. because it could uh, it could damage the machinery then after gotcha gotcha good story thanks for that much obliged to you Dan they say actually he talks about the nicest cup of tea in the world was the cup of tea that was brought up by the farmer's uh, daughter or whatever others would say that the best cup of tea in the world is the cup of tea that you would have after giving birth to a child that's supposed to be the best cup of tea in the world and that's a hard job too don't get me wrong don't know if it's as hard as thinning beet or picking huge stones from a drill but it's a tough job all the same anyway one quick one this side of 11 Malcolm Hi Neil you were a messenger boy I'm a messenger boy sending my love <laughs> Happy to day, you. for what the coal merchants was it the coal merchants Sheila Sullivan's back in the day yeah. back in Jesus uh, but what did the messenger boy do you, you hardly cycled around with coal on the back of the bike <laughs> No, no. You'd um, cycle from Patrick Street where they had the other day head office. People were going to enjoy the week off at the weekends and order their coal. No fax machines back then. So you get your bike then up in your row off and off down to Monaghan Road where all the dockets for the lads below to distribute the coal. Go away. And there was uh, huge I mountains of coal down Monaghan Road, down the boggy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back in the year, she was Susan Sullivan's, and then you would still have another one next door to it as well. I can't remember the name of them. Sutton's probably, was it?
<laughs> I'd say that went down well in the house in Montanati, did it? You smashing the patio window door. <laughs> to this guy, I met James the most. I, I go back about three months ago, and that's all the man ever talks about is you cost me a fortune back in the day. He said, watch out for a day's work, and you cost me money. So you had a path beaten then from Patrick Street to the Monaghan Road back and forth on your bike? All day long. Day in, day out. Did you enjoy it? In, well, it would, I was trying to move the half-time job at the time, you know, because I'm still in school, obviously, but like, back, back in, if you got something, you took it, that was it. But I loved it. I loved it. Did you keep the bike or did you have to leave it behind you? No, Jeremy? no, no, that was passed on to the next fella. <laughs> Whoever went in after me. I know. But I yeah, know. I loved it. It was, you know, you kept your feeling behind me as well, I suppose. Cycling up, no. No, the most powerful obviously was the weather. You weren't guaranteed, Irish almost. You weren't guaranteed to go to weather every day. So would you have gone across the bridges with the train tracks on the bike then? Oh, yeah, you would have, yeah. Did you ever come yeah. off the bike when you're the, because my bike would constantly get stuck in the train tracks? No, I was a pro on the bikes. Were you? I was a pro. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. My phone is taking away here, <laughs> All right, bye. Mind yourself. Take care. Take care. Much obliged, Malcolm. Much obliged, Dan. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We'll pick it up after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Emerald Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. Started this morning um, with a conversation with Colm O'Sullivan, who is Sam's Gala in Dunmanway, where he said, uh, what we do not want, and they're hiring part-time workers for the summer, what we do not want is daddies asking for a job for their son because he's a big strapping lad, a good footballer, feeds the neighbours goldfish when they're on holidays and cuts the lawn every Saturday. And they don't want mammies asking for a job for their daughter, telling us she's great around the house, empties the dishwasher at Christmas, cleans her bedroom every Saturday and loves meeting new people, even though she's sitting in the car outside the door when Mammy goes in looking for the job. Stuff like that. And they got people talking about their first um, part-time job, the best and the worst. And a lot of texts on this, which you will get back to, I promise you. We'll keep reading those texts. I'll keep them coming. Text 0868104106 like this. I volunteered one summer in Cork in my last school year, I think as a residential summer camp for disadvantaged kids. I can't remember where in Cork it was, but it was back in the early 80s. But I remember helping the chef, Tony, butter hundreds, and I mean hundreds, of sliced pans. One day he asked, would you like me to show you how to flip an egg? He put an egg from the carton into his mouth, stood in the middle of the kitchen, somersaulted backwards, landed perfectly on his feet. Life is a fabric of memories. Wish I could remember more. Well, that's enough. I mean, that was literally flipping an egg, but not as you think. But I imagine there must have been a lot of monotony, like day in, day out, literally just buttering hundreds and hundreds of each slice from slice pan after slice pan. I also had a newspaper round with Jimmy and Bally Valan. I tried my best to get an evening echo chant correct. I remember a big boy always picked on me as I walked up the hill with the newspapers in Blackpool. He lived about halfway up and he'd never let me pass. I remember one day being stood there and seeing my dad's van speed up the hill. He told me, sit in. I did. Whatever he said to the lad, I never saw him again. Only part of the job that I didn't like was trying to collect money for the bill door to door each week. People often wouldn't or couldn't pay it. 
Wonder what your dad said to the young fella, to the bully. I leave that up to people's imagination. Um, you certainly wouldn't be able to do it now, but I suppose there was some kind of an idle threat made, I'd imagine. Anyway, back to the phone lines we go. Sharon, good morning. Hi, good morning, Neil. How are you? Very good. Now, just on jobs or work or part-time work or no work in sight, right? No work at all. This is my second season now of having... And um, the Piper family, are, and, and the Pipers, are you all still doing the fun fairs and the Marys and things like that? Well, we've, we've kind of split, so we're all kind of doing our own thing. Yeah. I'm kind of on my own now at the minute. It's yeah. a big family of Pipers, and of course we had... Big, the, big family of us, yeah. And we had the Pipers in Crosshaven, and of course there was the Marys where the East Village is now in Douglas, things like that. That's right, actually. It's a funny story, actually, when I was small... Um, when I used to go to school in St. Columbus, St. Columbus School and um, everyone on a Sunday used to be saying oh we're going to the Mary's on Sunday you know I'd be, oh god that sounds great so I remember going home saying to my mum I know I know you work on Sundays but is there any chance you could take it off and take me to the Mary's so she just kind of looked at me and she said Sharon you live in the Mary's and I said oh no is that it? Where, where was that? I was that? so disappointed where, did you I live? used to live in where um, East Village was but if, what, like, what did you have in there? Was it like houses? There was bungalows? the horses, there was the chair planes, there was bumpers, there was all our fun fair was in there. But where did you live? Was it in a mobile home? We used to have mobile homes, yeah. Oh my God, that must, and like, was was it comfortable? It was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was gas actually when you used to go to school when you were small, you know, you get the usual, you know, how do you wash, do you all sleep together in the usual, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. But uh, my mother used to kill me because I used to just give them the answer. I used to say, I used to wash my face in the puddles and then they go away and my mother would get a clatter off her. Don't be saying that to them. <laughs> I mean, I remember the Marys in Douglas. They were just always there, you know, even off season we when they were closed. There, yeah. there they were, just regally, yeah, we wintered there majestically from sitting September there. September to June. Yeah. And then we went across Aden from June to September. And that was your life as a child, was it? That was my life as a child, yeah, and I don't know any different, and this is the first time ever I've been out of work. Even Christmas time was very strange, because I'd normally be busy with the turning on of the Christmas lights. I do a lot of work with Maham Point Shopping Centre. I used to also do a lot of work with the cruise ships in Cove down on the promenade. It's all just come to a stop. What kind of work would you be doing? I mean, I think your area is children's entertainment, isn't it? It is, yeah. Like, I have a children's carousel, I have a teacups ride, I have a little stall with candy floss, popcorn and sweets and all that kind of a thing and um, they do markets there down in the promenade when the cruise ships come in just you know something for the tourists Yeah. and um, it's all stopped I never thought Covid would affect us all so much When are you back? I've no idea we don't seem there's no mention of us on the road map at all and it's the same with circuses there in the same boat we're just kind of left there really I imagine you're probably June 7th, are you, in fairness? Um, I don't know. We haven't got anything. There's been nothing uh, released yet. I know Tato Park is open, but I think that's only the zoo part. Like, I would like to think we'd be back at it by July, but I like last Christmas, I kind of really thought we'd be Unless back Unless you're deemed to be a higher risk activity that could well be certainly not June, maybe, maybe July so. or later, you know? Maybe so, maybe so. But hopefully it's this a year, bummer. It's you a know, bummer. and you know, there won't when, be another career break. <laughs> I know, I know. And when you were young, did you work on the different, uh, like the the 
bumper cars and the chair planes and you know the I did to be honest with you Neil you're kind of working since you were a child and you don't really realise it like um, like I used to be in the shop with my mom, and I'd be handing out the candy floss and my dad then used to work on the horses and then I'd be going I'd be getting change for him because like obviously you'd be too small to be left on stuff on your own but you yeah. always got a job you never got away with it yeah did you so, get paid and for then it? you got older then you'd go to work I you'd get a few bob do you know Hard work, though, I'd say. It's hard work because, and especially when you're working with your family, there's no cut-off time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, and then when you live there as well, you know, like you step outside your front door, it's there. Do you know? So, like, my, my dad then would have worked in the sheds in the winter and he would have been painting the whole winter and, like, there's always something to be done. I know. And did his folks a- before him and generations before that all work in... Oh, yes, percent? we're into about the fifth, fifth generation. Now I'd say it's a head into the sixth. Where did it start? Um, it started, I think it started in England. My, my great, great grandfather would have married, um, an Emily Colchester, which would have been another fun fair family in England. Yeah. And I think that half of the family then came to, um, came to Ireland and they used to have, um, an ice skating rink years ago down in Cove as well. Long, long, long time ago. And, uh, they were kind of the first really to set up around Ireland and then all, then everything kind of branched out from it, like Birds Fun Fair, Funderland. Um, they started, the grandfather there, he would have started William Bird working on the roulette for my grandfather. Get so away. They, they all start, yeah. everything gets funneled back to the early days of Pipers. Yes, yes. So there's a lot of people have started from there and went out then on their own, yeah. And when, when everything reopens, and, and I know you were doing your thing as, as, a, as a Piper yourself, but is, is it possible to go to a Piper's Fun Fair anymore? Um, well, hopefully, you know, once they all get back open again, you know. Would that be Crosshaven? Um, I'm not too sure about them, Neil, to be honest. We don't, don't know. Yeah. No. We don't know. And I there was, a, there was a second story then, because Keen was on talking about kidneys, the butchers, and Crosshaven, and tell me about that. Oh, I actually married the butcher's son. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got caught, and I got caught. He married me, he thought I'd money, and I married him, I thought he'd money. <laughs> Backfired on the duvas. Um, yes, I used to hang around with Connor since, um, since when my mum used to go over to the butcher shop to get the meat. From I the fun fair? Out, he, yeah, he used to play out in the steps outside um, their butcher shop. And I used to be playing with him out there, would you think? Till my mum came out. And then we always kind of just hung around together. And then he used to work on the chair planes then in the summer and everything. And he's just kind of, we've always been together, really. So you married a guy who you knew when he played with Dinkies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we used to sit down at the steps outside crossing the pier and play with the dinkies. Well, yeah. you were certainly made. You were out, certainly yeah. made for each other then. Yeah. So. Yeah. Happy but, days. Um, Happy days. So no. So we're kind of you know we're kind of in limbo at the minute. I've never ever been out of work. It's very strange. I know. It's it's, it's exasperating, kind of frustrating. What to do next? You know? Do you hang on or you know? It's kind of a hard thing to let go as you're born and reared in it. You know. Well, I suppose children's entertainment up close and personal, whether it's, you know, birthdays in the back garden mm-hmm. or bringing in clowns and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. They, they probably deem it as being high risk, you know. High risk, yeah. So, I don't know, hopefully, please go with this vaccine and everything that we're all coming to an end to it and Hang get in back to some Hang kind of normality. There. Hang in there. Come back to me and let me know when you're up and running and we'll... Uh, I will indeed. We'll give you a good push. All right, take care, Sharon. Thanks for that. Lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Tony! Hi Neil, how are you? I'm good, my man. You worked on the petrol pumps. I did. I did petrol pumps in, in Rock Savage there, you know, at the end of uh, Facing South Terrace. Oh, way back in the day. Was that owned by the Dwyers? 
I couldn't tell you who owned it. There was it, an no, engineering. I, there was an engineering plant there, wasn't that's there? That's right. Yeah, yeah. And they, there's another place up the side. They used to repair car radiators. That's right. Yeah. I vaguely remember petrol pumps yeah. there. Just literally, as if you're. Traders was on the other corner. International Traders was there. Yeah, it's it's where Breast Check is now. Yeah, yeah. I also did the ice cream vans. Great job. I wanted to be. I wanted to be a Mr. Whippy Man when I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah. I I done the coins and the, uh, the, the the fellow who under his son would take the money. But um, oh great, it was great in the summer meal. But the, the, the job I really liked. Um, I wanted to buy a racer bike. I had a chopper and I wanted to buy a racer and they would I I couldn't get the money to buy a racing bike. So a friend of mine said, "Look, I'll get you a job." So we, he got me a job inside in the Bodegan Oliver Plunkett Street. No, I was only, I'd, I'd say 14-ish, if I was that, you know. You'd go in by night and you'd get your float and you'd go around and get, like, you'd go to the tables and they'd tell you what they wanted. You'd go up and get the drinks and bring it back down. And we say they gave you a £20 float. You got the drinks and you brought back the change for what was left out of the yeah. £20. They, you they'd give you the £20 and they'd take the change but they'd all like they'd always leave some of the change on the tray for you because like that time all, all the rig workers I won't mention any of their names now but I, I like all the rig workers used to drink in there where are we talking about now are you talking about Upper Oliver Plunkett Street um, yeah next to yeah. Casey's yeah. or across oh, the road Casey's furniture there yeah on the same side as Casey's yeah yeah yeah. It would be facing, uh, facing the entrance there to the, mar- to, the, to, the, to the market. Yeah, I mean, I did a few gigs back there in the back end of the 70s, early 80s. It didn't strike me as the kind of a place that had table service, to be honest. It did, yeah, it did. But, Neil, I, I only lasted a couple of weeks there. My mum and dad killed me because they didn't know exactly where I was working. <laughs> you know, and I was becoming, I was at the age where I was beginning to admire the female, spe- the female species. <laughs> uh, oh my God, like it was just best ever. But you always, like, to mind your, your, your few pounds for work now for the night. But your tips, Jesus, you'll be loaded with your tips, you know. So I was able to buy my racer. And you said there about the, the tracks in Brian Brew Bridge. <laughs> I did come off the racer and got splinters. Oh, God. And boy, God, is it sore. We all got trapped because you got trapped in the line of the track, you see. Couldn't yeah, get out. Yeah, it's yeah, a perfect fit yeah. for the wheel of the bike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so why didn't they leave you alone if you were making big money in the bodega? No, it was too late, Neil. I was still going to school and it was too late. They wanted, you know, to get to, to go home, go to bed and get up the next morning and get me out to school. No, I never went to school. I hated school. But... That didn't hold me back. I've, I've never been out of work all my life. And in actual fact, I always had two jobs going at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky enough in that sense. But um, no, it's just when you what brought it back to me there was when you said about the the tracks and Brian Bridge, I, I can still feel the soreness in my hands. Oh, for God's sake! Because you had no control over it. You knew you no, were going no, down. No, no, you it was game over. Carriage, you couldn't get back. Yeah, out. You knew, you knew that inevitably there was pain ahead. Yeah, yeah, but just before you go, Neil, just yeah. one thing, my, my granddaughter Darcy Murphy in Lehenamore is one today, so I just want to wish her a happy birthday from her nan, her granddad, her uncles and aunts, and her cousins. Isn't that an incredible name, Darcy Murphy? I just love it. Oh, she's our, she's our princess. I have four grandsons, but she, she's, 
she's the granddaughter so we're over the moon with her ah good stuff okay, and she's well. flying thank god okay hang on there a second if you will I hope you're not in a rush because uh, no, Emer's telling me that Frank's conversation with me might tie in with yours let's find out Frank yeah Neil I, I spoke O'Connell's Bar Kentucky Street go way Hello? before my time where, where was that yeah but no, it's not a great phone line. Let me see if I can clean this up after the break. Hold on. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Just clean up that phone line, Tony, but I'm having a bit of a brain freeze. You, Neil, it's, if it's, I, think it's, I think it's John Roach used to own that in, in Tokyo Street. I actually, it was closed for two weeks one time. Uh, they were putting in all, all new bar shelving in the whole lot. Okay. I actually worked on the bars and shelves in there. I think it was it was John Roach who owned it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I can hear you, Frank, but do you know, Tony, you know the bodega, the old bodega, would that be, would that have been direct, almost directly across from what would have been De Lacy House? That's right, yeah, that's okay. right. Okay, okay. Um, and ne- and it's just adjacent. Was there any other pub in that area? Um, Left or right of it? was there. No, uh, on the other no, side? I think you go back down then, further down Oliver Punk. To the bow, maybe the bow on kind of thing. Yeah, and the, the, what's the Black Bush or whatever it was called there in the corner, you know? And, and um, Macassies and pubs like. like that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 Anyway, Frank, pick up on that. Go ahead. No, in, 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 in Tokyo Street, then there's O'Connell's but skiing lounge. And the bus lounge as well. No, it's not happening for me, pal. I just can't hear what you're saying. You say O'Connor's in Tokyo Street. Can you hear me now? Try again, yeah. 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 It was Hickey's, Hickey's in Tokyo Street. You used to have bands there, 60. No, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. I do hope to get an opportunity to chat with you, uh, but not right now. He's saying that um, he used to work down the road from another borough, Connors and Tucky Street. He was a waiter there, Tony, he says, and the musical acts used to go in between the two bars. The best singers in Cork used to go between the two bars, and there was fierce competition. Do you recall any of that? I, I remember Hickey's, Hick, I think it Hickey's, I think it was John Roach or something owned, owned it. But you know, uh, Bernard, Paddy Mac, Bernard Mac used to actually be the doorman there that time, I Wait. remember him being on the door. Where? In in the in the hickeys in in Tokyo Street. Well, I know he bounced in Cocos for years. He was a great bouncer. Uh, yeah, in Cocos. But he, he was also in hickeys in in. in uh, in Tokyo Street there, you know. Happy days, happy days. Okay, so um, what were the punters like in the old bodega? Oh, Jesus, Neil, like as I say, all, all the lads from the rigs used come in and sure, Jesus, they were they were they were flashing cash like there was no tomorrow, you know. And you were there, like young fella, like saw, oh, yeah, eyes, yeah, sure. eyes like, like saucers. I was, I, was only, I was only fourteen or fifteen. I should, probably shouldn't have been in there, but I I went in to get the money, as I said, to buy a race. So I had a chopper, and uh, I, I I I did I got it, like I I got there, but um, as I say, like Jesus, to to was was good good money every night. You know, and no, Neil, no messing. But you're, you're, you know what I mean? What? No messing. Like no, but your folks doing, weren't very impressed, though. No, yeah. Jesus, no. I did the minute there, there was the boy, like, I, I'm working in the bar. That, that was kind of okay. But when it got, when it filtered back, it was the body. Like, <laughs> it was... I know why, I know why, I know why they were worried. I know, I know, I know. But, um, <laughs> Say no, no I more. Got killed, I got killed and, and I... Um, I had to come over, but I, I eventually I, I, I got the racer. You got the racer, job done. And, and got right. the scales as well to prove it. All right, pal, <laughs> appreciate that. Actually, we're talking about 
because it's just a case that young people don't want to work anymore and we had one of the trades on earlier on Mason saying you just can't get young people they just don't work they're just slaves to their phone and their hands and their hair the White Moose Cafe has posted there in the last half hour it is proving very difficult to recruit staff to work in hospitality these days why would anyone want to work in this industry when they can get a sizable pandemic unemployment payment pop for sitting on their hole watching Netflix. To this end, the White Moose guarantees its employees that they will get a significantly higher wage working here than sitting on their arse at home and living off taxpayer money. A job with us will give you the chance to reintegrate into the community and work in an environment where safety comes first and COVID protocols are followed to the letter. If you're interested in joining the White Moose team and getting up off your arse... Please email your resume to paul at the whitemovesmedia.ie. We're looking for servers. We're looking for baristas. We're looking for chefs. P.S. The pup seems great now, but just wait until the government levies huge taxes on you down the line. People, get back to work. And that posted about 20 minutes ago by the White Moose Cafe, suggesting that it's hard to get people back into hospitality. They too happy sitting on their hole, as they put it, on a pop payment. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And you can pick up the phone on 1850-104-106. And I want to get a couple of emails and other issues on the air as well if I get time between now and midday. Let me just stay with phone calls for now, though. John, morning, John. Morning. Hello, Neil. How's things? You were a bre- you were a bread man? No, not quite. Actually, I suppose you were bread delivery man. Bread, anyway, bread boy. My dad was the bread man. I was the boy. And who who was he? Who was he working for? Himself. He was working for himself. He was pulling bread out of fish jowls. Remember fish jowls? Ah, uh, yeah. Where were Cork they? Bus. Where were they again? They were in um, Corbuck Street to start. Then the Leitrim Street. Then they went out to um, um, Polar Road. They, did they have kind of like a black and white checkered wrap? Yeah, that, oh, was, that, was, that, that was the black and white checkered uh, kind of, um, I think it was Hobart Street now the country covered by the That was great bread The actual hotel I think it was the actual hotel That was for Charles, I think and then they went to uh, Polar Road after that I, I remember that slice man I remember it I do too he, he, he walked for him but then he went on his own He took his own, got his own customers together and he had I think he had 600 customers a day Five or six hundred customers a day. He'd deliver bread to every morning. But surely, and surely he wouldn't deliver bread every day to the same house, would he? Most six days a week. Yeah. No, we have. I'd say seventy percent, seventy-five percent of the customers were the same customers every day. And they would literally have bread delivered each and every day. Oh, onto the onto the windowsills, onto the doorstep. Like and, y- and years and years ago, when when I was small, it was Donnelly's delivered to us. Yeah, we'd fish, uh, there was Stanley Stuff as well at that time, um, and we'd fish shows, we'd fish shows. We used to call boats as well, he'd call, he'd call, call us in as well, on board of, uh, the wide couples opened up in Bishopstown. Yeah, well, and Jack is still, Jack is still show. flying, he's yeah, turning out. Yeah, in Yeah, and yeah. like, I always had the impression, we would get, um, we would get Donnelly's, but I always thought that the other neighbours who were delivered by Mother's Pride, uh, in oh. a kind of, in an electric van, that they must have had more money than us. <laughs> Did you ever get well, that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah, my dad had um, he had a small four escort van. Remember the vans? Small four escort vans, and it was for sure. And he used, he used, we used to live on every day, south side, mostly south side. Yeah, I know. But like, it's just it struck me that way because Mother's Pride van had cakes mm. in it as well. 
you had your suitcase as well. Your and I often wondered, why didn't we get cakes? You want you want posh enough, I suppose. I suppose not. You had to be posher to have the cakes to live. My dad never delivered cakes, so I was brave, just for shows and, and couples, as I said. They used no cakes, no cakes and for shows. And so you delivered, was this part-time? At summertime, I would do it. I'd be 12 or 13, and I, I'd go in the summertime, but obviously with school, then I wouldn't be doing it Monday to Friday school, but I was kept the money on a Friday night and sat the morning. 800 so houses? So about, I'd be about 550, sometimes to 600 houses, customers he had. He, he'd about 400 in the south side, he took on then about 200 in the north side as time went Sorry, down. 600 houses, you said. Apparently, I thought it said 800. Yeah, it was 600 houses. And how did you know what bread to leave? Yeah, they, they had a weekly a weekly list. You know, we just you know, the back of his hand, the same as proportional, but no. They, they did a weekly list, like, what, what they get every day. They, they would change it, they got the changes. They didn't even know us. They didn't even know what under the windowsill under the rock. For the next day, for the next day's bread. What would it be like, a skull or a sliced pan? Or? A sliced skull, no, or a, or a sliced skull on a Monday, and they would even know what then. Uh, Monday night for Tuesday morning, we'd be there at 4 o'clock in the morning, we'd be making the, the skull on Tuesday, and they might say, give us a brown tomorrow. And you write into the book and put in your order that night and you collect the bread at two o'clock in the morning and then out and you could head off on your run about half three. Tough so job though. Door to door in the middle of the night. Half is one every morning you just get up and then you collect the money on a Friday night and sell the morning. I just love that type of thing because you just get tips. Did you? They always paid. Uh, yeah, yeah. They always paid. Um, he had customers that didn't really, couldn't sometimes, but he was very good. He'd, there was one customer, customer alone, I won't say who, but he... They had well, 14 kids and they, 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 you know why, you know they hadn't much. And my dad would just get bread together at the end of every day. The bread was for toddlers, I would say, and he was giving it to them and people in charge. And think that, that time things were like that, right? You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah, uh, he knew that, that these and, people would have been destitute without his help. Oh yeah. And I, uh, he, he, like people mightn't have the money on a Friday. My dad would, 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 would still deliver bread on the Monday. And you I suppose it's fair to say there was an awful lot more bread eaten back in the day. There was. It just filled people up, you know? Yeah, but just a we really had a 40 years ago, really. So, not only would you, you would have been delivering the bread with your dad, and then there would have been Milkman doing his thing, and then I suppose yeah. there was others delivering the examiner, and more would be delivering the Echo. There would have been a, there would have been a posse of people doing the rounds of houses back in the day, delivering. You would always, always meet the Milkman with the bread, man. The milkman would always be there, like us, at four or five o'clock in the morning. You'd never see the echo man, really, because the echo man would be in the afternoon. No, you'd have to be, you'd have to be well off to get the examiner delivered. No, that's the way the echo. We wouldn't see the, you wouldn't see the echo man. You wouldn't see the echo man till the echo. That time he was come out after lunch. We'd be finished. My dad and I'd be finished work at one o'clock. That's right. We'd be there. That's right. Night walk, really, like. Yeah. And I used to go in the summertime then and the, the winter then I'd be in school. Did your dad bake or did he deliver? No, he delivered. He was delivered, as I said, he was, he was, he was serving Clyde, his own van, and he just buy the bread off his sons and couples and delivered every month. They went down in the 70s and then the bread came out then. The, the, I think it was done so smart to be, you know, the cheap bread, kind of two loaves for a pound that time, back in the 80s. Slowly but surely. There could have yeah. been there could have been a dozen bakeries in Cork at one stage, if not. Oh, there was loads. There was loads. Probably more than that. There was loads. There was um the McCotton Street, the big one McCotton Street, Thompson's. there was um yeah. Thompson's, there was Cop Fishels, was Street for the way Corbett Street, there was Honest Pride, as you said, Johnson and Moon, he was always down um, Shannon Street. There was three or four on Shannon Street alone, wasn't there? There was, there was, there was. There was 
interesseres kompetition efter en grad, ja. Lovlig grad. Jeg vet ikke, når man kunne opp et grad her på som hadde vært to klart smelte, men det brekker vi. Og jeg stikker det til det her, for jeg smelter for å gå for grad. Det bringer back memories, like. Happy days. Happy days. Og det ble bæren for det sommeren. For en kapel av isen, det var halvdelsen. Rente noen kalven. To børt eller få børt. Det er like fair to tell with Satan's Mark Allen clinic at all sorts of You had all sorts of We'd just leave red band and about half as twelve to get up for half as one to get every day by the Sunday. And back down then again at one o'clock or two o'clock for this day's walking. I was young then, he was moving in my school young, I had holidays that I was a five, six, if the tap didn't work, you'd wonder where the water come from. Yeah, Dermot says after that, he says I worked in Leader's clothes shop for a couple of years. Then on the North Main Street, on, you remember on the if, if up until his leaving start, he said every Saturday I go up to the market to get Mrs. Leader's tripe and drachine. I was glad of the few pounds, but it was a long day from nine to six. Uh, after that, I used to deliver milk with my dad while I was at school at the weekends and also holidays and term breaks. I love cycling with my dynamo to CMP at three in the morning uh, to load up the float, drive the electric float, listening to the silence before the dawn, making my way up the entrances of posh houses in Black Rock, hoping the dog wasn't out. My dad always bought chocolate slices for our break. People were so kind, always giving tips at Easter and Christmas boxes back then. That's lovely, isn't it? It's a lot of that mm-hmm. you'd have done as well. Same thing. Yeah, yeah, it was lovely. It was, uh, and the boys, I say, I don't know, and we collect the money in the last side, and I go home with bike. I mean, I would have to follow me because if I had too much money, didn't I? I'd be robbed. But I was going with bike on the Saturday morning and take the money. He'd about 100 customers in the last side, 115. That was my job on the Saturday morning. But he'd have to beat me every now and then because I'd have to give him money because I'd be carrying too much money, you know, kind of. Uh, You'd be loaded yeah. down with it. I know. Lovely the week, story. The week's bread that time bill would be two pounds, maybe 180 for the week's worth of bread. That's how long ago it is now. Two pound maybe average house was only every every house like I know so wouldn't be that much money but yeah, I know. I gotcha. I anyway, gotcha. Great times, great times. Thanks for sharing. Take care, John. All the best, pal. Take care. A uh, lot of other texts on this, which you'll come back to one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. We were talking back uh, back end of last week. I was jumping in and out last week with regards to um, uh, nicknames. I got a great quick uh, got a great kick out of reading out the nicknames. I mean, there were so many of them. Like mother of God, you wonder where they all came from. Can I just stay with that if you don't mind for a little while? I just want to talk to Rory Noonan um, because he sent a lovely text in about his dad, who was known as um, Scrape the Bucket. Rory, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? <laughs> Why was he known <laughs> as Scrape the Bucket? Well, it's funny you were talking about newspaper stuff there. My dad was a, a night foreman in the examiner office all his life on the old printing floor, which is now gone. And um, they used to have an incentive finished by night. So if the work was done, they could go home. So they were due to work till about quarter to four in the morning. But if they were finished, say, by two o'clock, they could head away. But just as they always thought that the work was done, he'd always find something more for them to do. So he became known as Scrape the Bucket. <laughs> he was always scraping the last bit of work out of them every night. That's why he was the foreman, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, he was the foreman, yeah. You know? Trying to get <laughs> so money. He became known as Scrape or Scrape the Bucket all his life. You know, so was, they, the they would get to go home, depending on how fast the newspaper was put to bed, I suppose. If it was slower, there were stories coming in. They knew the, light was, the night was going to be longer. 
Exactly, yeah, you know, and um, but but they'll be doing other work as well. They might be like in those days, they'd be setting all the ads that would go to the paper, like for the following day, for maybe the Echo or the following night's examiner that they would be doing. So there was other bits of advanced work to do as well. And uh, he used to always he used to always be able to find some more work just as they thought it was all done. So that was he was on a script to book it. Did all he things. know? I mean, a lot of the time. People didn't know the nicknames they had. Did he know? Oh, he did, yeah. He did, yeah. He did, yeah. Because he, 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 he was calling to his face. Like, you know, scrape his at it again. He was be saying and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's way night, like, you know. <laughs> did you ever go to work with them when you were a kid? I was lucky enough in that, I, that I'm still working with the examiner, Jacob. But I, so I worked with him for 10 years before he retired. I was on days for most of that. But I spent a couple of years on nights with him. Like, so times had changed. What was that so, like, actually, working with your dad? I mean, did you do different things? Oh, well, no, we were both on the printing floor at the time. So, yeah, we did know he was my boss when I was in work. And I suppose he was probably my boss at home, too, was my dad. But, uh, no, but was, it, it, was it difficult to separate the two, I'm wondering? You know, he was your dad, uh, but he was your boss, uh, and you had to respect yeah, but, that line. Oh, yeah, it, it wasn't really in, in that he was a very fair man, and he was very, very straight and honest. And, and he would, and anyone who walked with him would tell you that he was always very fair. But he did expect, I suppose, slightly higher standards maybe for me than others. And if there was something going on at night, he might slightly whisper in my ear, cop yourself on or something like that. Like, you know, as he was passing, like, just to make sure I knew that I, I was being kept on my toes. They used to slip down to the chat for the odd court, didn't they? Yeah, well, you go back a, a long time, long, long before my time, Neil, and they had a, an official beer break, like, was, was there, and you just had to tell the, the night foreman, I'm, I'm, and before, at the start of, you know, maybe an hour or two before it was at the time for the beer break, he was just to say to the foreman, I'd be going on the beer break tonight. So they were allowed to go down. It was considered like the unions were very strong in those days. Yeah, and all they must have been if there was a beer break. And how long <laughs> so would you be able to go for? Oh, um, I think it was something like uh, 20 minutes. But like, but fellas, like, you know, like fellas were very clever and very cute. So like they, they had a tea break then after that. So you had to come back to show you were back. So like the fellow would go down, maybe have his point. He'd order another and, and he'd uh, slip back down again for a tea break for maybe one or two more. Like, you know, I'm told that there was a hatch that uh, or at least a hole in the floor or something between the examiner office down to the chateau. Is that true? That was the old editorial, and, and that was a rumor. And when certainly in any my, my, my time in there, there was no sign. Was of it, but I believe if you go back a bit before that, there might have been one there. Was right. it like a tray on a rope or something? Points up down from the shadow, yeah, up yeah, down exactly, from the shadow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean there was there was there was there was a gentleman, um, and I won't say who because he's long long past. Who would have been very high up in the company. And when someone comes to them one time on, on, on night, and this is going back well back into the 60s now at this stage, um, he um, made a comment about the, the, the paper, etc. You know, and about that was, that there was maybe considered a slight drinking mentality, shall we call it there? And the answer he gave was, leaving him alone without the drink, the paper mightn't come out tonight. <laughs> yeah, imagine now if there was a thing in the days that we live in now where there was a beer break at work. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I don't think it would be quite acceptable now. Can you imagine it? You know, but but it was it was a different bit different back then. A different I know, setup. And I, and I and I remember going in when I was small, and you'd have the old what we used to call the linotypes, where you'd have the metal the word where the type would come out in metal, and you'd be as we used to call it upside down and back to front, and all the all the all the men in there used to be able to read this. Like in they needed to be able to spell like and read backwards. Exactly, yeah, you know, exactly, yeah, yeah, you know, and the old, the old line of types they were called, like, you know, and there used to be hot metal flying everywhere, and if you didn't watch out, like, there'd be, you, you, you would, you'd get a splash, a splash of it onto your hand, and, uh, you, you wouldn't be long knowing about it when that yeah. happened, then, so I was, you know, so, but I was very, very, I was only very small, very small child. Great then, opportunity you know. to watch and listen and learn, yeah. though.
Oh yeah, two great, great stories. Yeah, brilliant to go in there. I was listening to just, 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 just another point there on your show all morning. I've been fascinated listening to some of the stories, going people going back there over the years and all that, like you know. And you mentioned kidneys butchers there in, in Crosshaven as, 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 as great butchers. And a good friend of yours, I, as, if my memory's right, Tom Durkin, that's where he trained in his spice beef down there. It was under kidneys. Well, is it any wonder then that they used to travel down to Crosshaven for the spice yeah, beef you know? if that's where he learned his trade in the market? Yeah, I, so, yeah, Tom Durkin, as you know, well in the market there. Yeah. That's just, if my memory's right. That's he just Tom won. He wins Blossom Heron for his spice beef. Yeah. Oh, he does, yeah, yeah. And so he sends it all over the world at this stage, you know. It's and is that where he served his time, yeah? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, that's where Tom, yeah, he'd been a, he's a neighbour of mine when I was growing up. And uh, he, uh, he he served his time down there. That's where he started out as a butcher, you know. Super and one story. other thing, you, you, the, the, guy, the, the gentleman that was just on there before me, he mentioned Thompson's Bakery up in McCartan Street. Yeah. Well, my, my grandmother, my father's mother, walked up there when she was young. And all her life, she was one of the fastest walkers I've ever came across. And the reason being was simple. She used to come home to Turner's Cross for her lunch. And she had a timed 20-minute walk home, 20 minutes for your lunch, and a 20-minute walk back. So she used to actually, so when you, you, you couldn't keep up with her when she was walking, and it all came down to that because she had her time. And her why would minutes. she go home on her lunch break knowing that she could only be at home for 20 minutes? I suppose that, that was just what, what, what they did back then. Like, you know, she would have been very young and, and, and she was maybe just out of school or so. And People and went home at lunchtime yeah. because that was went when home. you had the dinner in the middle of the day. Exactly, yeah. And I remember her telling me that, like, you know, that because that, 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 people always have said, Jinx, you walk very fast. And that was why 20 minutes for her to walk home, 20 minutes for lunch and 20 minutes to walk back. And then that was the time when the bridge, remember the bridge that would be down the end of the country used to rise and right. the ships were coming up and they'd be cursing mad <laughs> if they got caught with, with, with the bridge coming up at the wrong time if they were trying to get home or back to work. And did she, did she work on a line in Thompson's? Was she a cake yeah, maker? She was, on the, she was a cake maker in Ariada, but that's a long, long time ago. Oh, no, I know, you know, because they were making them on McCurtain Street, but they were serving them in the cafe down... The, probably not Mailer Street. Probably the street that's now gone. The yeah, one no, up no. Mailer she street. was actually in the bakery up in up in up in McCartan Street. She was on the line up there. Love it, love it, love Known it. Known as Dotty all her life. Dotty, Dolly, Dolly. Yeah, even though it wasn't her name, she was known as Dolly. Everyone knew her as Dolly. All right, lovely Dolly known and she was known. Happy you know? days. Rory, lovely to catch up. Thanks so much. You Cheers. too. All the best, Nate. Take Cheers. care. Bye. Okay, a couple of nostalgic stories there. Incidentally, we have uh, some vouchers to give away this morning. Three of them. They're worth 50 euro each, and they are for Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery on McCurtain Street. It's one of the companies owned by the Cotton Ball Group. So it's in the old Thompson's Bakery building. Got a fabulous menu there, and... With a nod to the old and the nostalgic, as in Thompson's, they do an amazing raspberry Swiss roll. wonder what they serve the Swiss roll with. Would it be just on its own? Would it be warmed with a bit of custard or maybe a bit of an ice cream? Something like that. Do they call it custard anymore now? Is everybody calling it crème, crème anglais or whatever it is? They also do bread and butter pudding. So we'll open the phone lines in about five minutes' time for that. Don't call just yet. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Morning, could you please play, or at least say, happy anniversary, third anniversary. Happy third anniversary to my beautiful wife, Haley O'Brien. May the 4th be with you, as in the fourth anniversary. So three down and many more to come. Actually, talking about dates and what have you, interesting text with regards to nicknames. I went to school with a guy called Enda May. So we used to call him June. <laughs> Enda May, June. 
Get it? Nickname. Um, seriously, though, Marion, appreciate you taking the call on behalf of many people who also have got these same kind of scam phone calls. Tell us all about it, because I know it's fairly commonplace. What's going on? Well, I'll tell you now, Neil, it started there about a week and a half ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first call was like, this is social welfare protection, blah, blah, blah. And we're ringing you there because we believe that um, you're claiming fraudulently. Uh, you owe X amount of money. Um, if you could pay three to 5000 from your card now, we'll take it. So I just hung up. Yeah, right? which is the right thing to because do. Because I had actually heard on your show about it. So about 20 minutes to half an hour, another call. A different number. Same number, but different digits at the end. Right? So I answered it. Same thing again. I hung up. Lost the number. Another one. So then I was there the other day. Got an... Another call, but this time it was automated. Explain. Well, it just came on. You know, like if you ring a number and it says press one for this, press two for this. Yeah. Well, that's the way it was. But again... The automated would have been, this is the Department of Social Welfare. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. Press one. Press one. And if you press on one, you're straight through. So I just hung up. So they've been ringing and ringing and ringing. Now, I don't claim social welfare. Or any type of claim. I work, as you well know. Um, And at any stage, did you play along with them, no? Which is probably what I would do. On the first one, on the first call, I listened to what he had to say. I didn't, I I made no comment on anything. And the only thing I did say at the end of the call was, sorry, you must have the wrong number because I don't claim social welfare. Any type of social welfare. Yeah. Haven't done so. And I hung up the phone. But then it rang again about half an hour, three quarters an hour later. And this has been going on. I've got at least about 14 calls, all with the same number, but at least two to three digits changed in the end of every number. And what is it? Does it look like an 021, an 01, a mobile no, number? No, 021. It's not an 021. No. No, I know, but are I, they trying to make out that it's a local number? They can adapt the phone numbers, you see, to look as they, if they're they, Irish. Have tried to do that, but I go in and I Google the number. People are being caught, Actual though. You know. People are being freaked. Well, I know people have actually been caught by it, but if you Google the number, you'll see that the number doesn't even actually exist exist as such. It's from other parts. So what could happen? So what could happen here is that they might get somebody who is a bit um, bit spooked by them or shocked so much so that they will yes. give them what their and bank account details. Basically, basically, what they're looking for is if you can pay this X amount of money now, they will let the rest of it go. So then they will ask you your bank details, your like your the long card number, your um, the end of the uh, your date, the, the expiry date, and then your CCV number. And did you get so far as to how they threaten you if you refuse that they will involve? They'll take me to court. You'll be taken to court and you will do time because it's a very high sum of money. Yeah, and that there'll be a warrant issued for your arrest and all this guff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's just like, so then I knew, like you had actually put it out over the air. Over and over again. No one calls people on the phone looking for money. They don't. They just no, 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 no government department, no credible business will ever do that. No, no, yeah, you and might get it from illegal money lenders. That's a different day's work, though. And then I got on because I got another call about my bank that, um, about your what 
my bank account from AIB. Another one said. then is, yeah, that there's suspicious yeah. activity. You need to give yeah. us your PIN. Yeah. So I got onto my bank and they said, Marion, you know, we would never, ever, ever send you anything like that. If we need to speak to you, they will do it in a different way. But here's the confusing thing about when banks say that. Banks do send out emails and banks do send out texts. They do, but they will never, ever ask you for any of your... It's like, with, don't know about other people, but I'm speaking for me personally. Yeah. With my bank, I will have to speak into the phone and my voice is recognized through this machine. You see what's happening, and, and I see this in the UK, and I imagine it must be happening here as well. People are hanging up the phone, and then they're dialing back the number that they were called by, and it's bringing them directly to the legitimate bank, or it's bringing them directly to the legitimate government department. And they're exactly. saying, oh, or, or you know what somebody did last week, and I read it in the papers of the weekend, they got a friend who was next to them to dial the number on their phone, and it turned out to be a legit number. And then they gave the bank account details. So what they've done is they have hijacked, the scammers have hijacked or harvested the legitimate number. Right, right, right. Well, I know for a fact they didn't get anything on my account. There was no suspicious activity even going on on my yeah, account. Yeah. Because the, uh, the bank would kind of basically know like what I do with my account. What, like, you know, your, your direct debit. Yeah, please be if aware. I was ordering online, please they actually know the actual places that I, I, I order. So let this be a warning. Please do not engage in any shape or form with in these people. Your money is going overseas and you will never get it and back. It's gone. Yeah. It's okay. Gone. All right. Thanks for that, Marion. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lines open now, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. We have the uh, remaining vouchers for Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery. They're 50 euro vouchers. Get dialing for those on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I'll leave you and uh, love you and leave you with uh, our... Recently, we've been going out and about checking in with people who have opened for the first time in a long time as we come out of lockdown. And GAA clubs across the county welcomed their underage members and teens back on the pitches last week. So we went to Glanmire to SARS Hurling and Camogie Club and they were no different with outdoor training resuming for its young people. Seamus was down there at Sarsfield Hurling and Camogie Club, club chatting with the parents, the coaches and of course, most importantly, uh, the club teams and members themselves. So this is from the back end of last week. Absolutely delighted that they're back. Uh, I have uh, older kids now, uh, 12, 14 and 16, so it's been a long year. And to be honest with you, when they're that age, their kids are, are their their friends, are what's most important to them. So they're absolutely buzzing to be back on the field. Did you find it hard over the, over the last few months? not having them back training or yeah look I suppose it was difficult on parents because I suppose we were homeschooling and also then um, I suppose trying to keep them focused now again because my kids are a little bit older there were Zoom sessions and the club was just so interactive with the kids and so supportive of the kids and um, mine definitely benefited from that but uh, that said my 16 year old came back here last night and I just never saw him run so fast onto a field he was just so delighted to be back but his pals and just to get back into it now again and is that similar with yourself exactly same it's like i could repeat exactly what sarah just said um you could see 
the difference in the kids after they came back from their first session. Their their whole demeanour was different. They were happier in themselves. It's it's just brilliant. It really is, and they need it because they miss their friends. They've been locked in. There's been probably too much technology more than they probably ever had because there was nothing for them to do. Even going out training by themselves isn't the same as training with their friends and improving and seeing the difference. It, it's huge. I'm glad to see my friends and like play in real life. And we're glad to see the coaches again. Yeah, see and the coaches get some feedback from them. Yeah. And like, did you miss that all along for the last few months? Yeah, yeah you miss having people telling you what to do and stuff instead of doing. And helping our skills grow and get better. And when you got back training, when you, you came out and saw each other for the first time, what was that feeling like? It was really nice um, to see all of our friends like, and kind of socialise with our coaches. and yeah. kind of just forgot the feeling of what it's like to actually be on a pitch with other people. Yeah, same, same as them. Did you do any training while you were, you were off? Yeah, we yeah I have to boss. every day. Yeah. You had to? Yeah. Why is your dad a coach, is he? Yeah. <laughs> and what sort of training uh, were you made to? Striking, hooking, blocking... Um, to, um, when he hits it off the wall, I control it again and some other stuff. Did you feel that that was a bonus, living with a coach, or was it a hindrance? Sometimes I didn't want to do it and sometimes I did, but not all the time, but I have to. Guys, are you glad to be back training? Yeah. yeah. And what did you miss? Uh, just probably running around and meeting our friends <laughs> and fucking off the wall. Are you working doing any of that during lockdown? We I was, yeah. On yeah. the wall yeah. in the back garden. Well, even for the coaches, just to see see the young fellas after so long, it was fabulous. Like, and did you see a difference in the in their in their skill level over those over, over the? Well, in fairness, um, there was a fantastic um, set up here at the moment. We were doing it online with the lads at home, giving them drills to do. And it was fantastic. They did do it, and you could see when they came back, the lads did it. So it was fantastic. Great to be back, and hopefully we'll drive on from here and win a few championships and counties. Bring it on! It's Sars down in Glanmire, morning to you all. Jerry O'Shea, Colette Harrington, and Gavin Feheli. We got vouchers for you for Thompson's Restaurant and Microbrewery on McCurtain Street. So enjoy. Have a good day, guys. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.